History shows America rises to every challenge it faces. Every challenge makes us stronger. We're Americans. We find a way. At Kaufman Funeral Home, we give thanks to God for living in the greatest nation on earth. Take comfort in knowing when you need us, we'll be here for you. We'll put your family's needs first. Kaufman Funeral Home and Crematory. Frontier Drive in Stanton. Online at KaufmanFuneralHome.net. This is Leon S. Kennedy, and you're listening to the Biohazard Declassified Podcast. Hello, everyone. Andy here from Biohazard Declassified. I trust you're all doing well on this fantastic evening. Today, we've got a very, very special guest uh, in the uh, podcast today. We are joined with the one and only Avalanche Reviews. How are you doing, Jared? I'm doing very good. I think um, maybe too many varies in that in, in the very very special category maybe just <laughs> okay. special <laughs> no it, it's it's, it's going to be a really really cool episode today we're going to be going into the intricacies of uh, of avalanche risk. and of course speaking about our favorite topic which is resident evil so uh, how are you feeling today jesse i'll see you in the uh, i'll see you in a in a little conversation here you haven't said a lot <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, just uh, updating everything, getting everything ready to go, but I'm great, and it's good to have Jared here with us today. Yeah, so the big thing for us, we, we, and please follow, uh, please follow uh, Avalanche Reviews on YouTube, which is, which is uh, your, main, your main platform, if not mistaken. If you that throw a couple correct, of social yeah. media handles out there, what, what platforms are you on? Um, so uh, YouTube, Avalanche Reviews, uh, Twitter, Avalanche Jared, and uh, I do stream on Twitch as well. Same thing, Avalanche Reviews. So if you look up Avalanche Reviews, you're likely to find either me or a review of a Chevy Avalanche truck, which was <laughs> a very hard niche to work my way out of in the beginning of YouTube because anytime I was like, yeah, just search Avalanche Reviews. That's all you got. That's glorious. That's absolutely glorious. <laughs> so what does, what, what does your channel specialize in? What would, if I said to you, right, elevate a pitch, what does that Avalanche Reviews do? Oh, Jesus, that's one very odd elevator pitch. Uh, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I have an idea of what my format is, and the format is whatever game strikes my fancy, uh, I want to talk about it. And I have specific things that I like to cover when I talk about games. So I'm I'm really, really interested in, in video output and the intricacies of, of different game engines and how they perform on real hardware. So... I, that is a niche that I like to cover, but as far as games, JRPGs, competitive fighting games, survival horror, Resident Evil, of course, uh, really, I have a very odd uh, taste in games, and I like that to come through with my channel. So anytime I cover a game, I, I recently covered Clock Tower 3, which is a real Beautiful. odd game. Brave Fencer Musashi, just the spectrum is insane as far as what I cover. So. It, with that elevator ride would have to be a good 15, 20 minutes for the pitch <laughs> you'd to, to be, work. You'd have to be in the Sears Tower. or uh, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. That's fantastic. So you, you would say that your niche is kind of uh, almost Asian games, Japanese games? Yeah, I, I do cover a lot of it. You know, that's, I never really noticed that. That's, that's a good point. Uh, a lot of it is Japanese games. I have a thing about, I, I guess when I, when I was growing up, uh, Japan and video games were so intertwined together that that's just my my concept of video games is you know the the far east I guess it's interesting I never really thought about that yeah do you know what and 
do you know what it is? I've, I, I had a similar thing because, um, again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a fan of like typical like Japanese games. And someone went, wait, but you're like a massive fan of Resident Evil. That literally makes no sense. That is as, as Japanese, <laughs> as, yeah. as Japanese created game as there ever, as there ever will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is your, what is your story sp- with, with particular regards to Resident Evil? I mean, what, how did you, how did you, uh, initially play Resident Evil, I guess? And, and what, what's been the journey since then? Um, I had a really interesting intro into Resident Evil. So as a kid growing up, I was very, very, very poor. And I was always a few generations behind what was uh, coming out at the time. So when the Sega Saturn and PS1 were really on the scene, I was still a Sega Genesis guy. So the only way I had access to those libraries was through gaming magazines. So I would see ads for Resident Evil specifically. Uh, You know how they would have those big like uh, two uh, page spreads covering a new game coming out on a new console. They did that with Resident Evil with PS1. And I remember looking at the camera angles and thinking to myself, how would a person even go about controlling this game? Because my concept of video games was, all right, you're on a side scroller, camera set right there. That's all there is to it. But they had cameras coming from down here and all these different angles. And I was I couldn't figure out how you would even control that game. And it, years and years went by. I, I ended up finally playing the first Resident Evil when the second Resident Evil had already hit. And I'd rented it from Blockbuster. And it was the director's cut. I believe it was the director's cut copy that comes with a demo of RE2. Oh, sure. And so I, I rented that. And I, I just, I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away by how immersed I was into the game's world. Like I was there in the Spencer Mansion. When you walk into the room with the deer's head hanging over uh, on that second story, it just, so I was in that fucking room. You know what I mean? Like, is it just, it destroyed me as far as, uh, I, I knew what games could do as far as like horror went, but I'd never found a game that um, scared me just through the sheer idea of being in its world. You know, there was a, a jump scare in a video game. You go like, oh, you're startled. But in Resident Evil, I was walking around in the Spencer Mansion. I was genuinely afraid, even though nothing was going on and there were no enemies around me. The atmosphere just made me so tense. So yeah. it made an effect on me. So, and again, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you first experienced Resident Evil? Was it, would you, was you like super young or, or was you in middle uh, school? Not, or? Too, not too young, probably in middle school. Um, it's really hard to say. Uh, definitely, I, I was a preteen. I want, I want to say I was a preteen. So I had, I wasn't quite a teenager yet. So I was young enough. So I, I was, I was young enough to be naive and, and, and scared uh, more than I would be now as an adult. Fingers crossed. Let's, <laughs> I'm not very good at being an adult. <laughs> I'm still in that mindset of being a teenager, but uh, yeah, I was, I was very young. So the effect it had on me, I have a weird thing about media. I like a uh, media that, that has what most people consider a negative effect. Um, the Max is my favorite comic book series because sure. I think it might have driven me insane a little bit, and I really enjoyed that. And Resident Evil and Silent Hill had two very similar effects on me as far as being afraid of things and being immersed into game worlds. So I was young enough for it to affect me that deeply, and for it to last into my mid thirties now. So you're obviously a fan, of, and judging by your uh, your retrospect, your retrospective, you're also a fan of Silent Hill. Oh, I for mean, sure. Yeah. Would you? If you had, and it's very hard to compare the two because they are, even though they're survival horror games, they're very, very different styles of survival horror. What would you prefer 
to play? Resident mm. Evil or Silent Hill? Oh, okay. So I might cheap out of that question a little bit because there's two <laughs> categories to it. So I would play a Resident Evil game for the gameplay. I enjoy the strategic sense of, of going into a fight uh, being prepared beforehand. If If I don't have enough ammo on me or enough healing items on me, I'm running. Or if I have just enough healing items to scrape by, uh, you know, I'll dodge the fight. Or maybe fire a couple of rounds into a zombie, let him fall on the ground, and then you run by. Something like that. Whereas I play Silent Hill for the psychological, um, atmospheric sense of it. Um, the, the, the Lynchian dream logic of Silent Hill, I really get into. So if, if I really want to explore a really interesting and scary world, I'll go with Silent Hill. But if I'm looking to play something that's satisfying in a gameplay sense, I'll, I'll go with like RE2, you know? Oh, gotcha. No, that makes sense. So moving on to your actual retrospective. So you've covered every single Resident Evil game now, if, if I'm not close. mistaken. Very close. Um, none of the Java titles that came out on old cell phones for like gotcha. RE4 and stuff. And then one thing that I always get black for, and rightly so, because I have claimed to cover every Resident Evil game, but I just have no interest in the 3DS, um, what was it, Something Survivor? Oh, Christ, I forget. The 3DS game where it was just essentially the... Oh, the Mercenaries. Uh, mercenaries, yeah, 3D Mercenaries, mercenaries 3D. game. There you go. So I never covered that because I have no way of capturing uh, 3DS gameplay, and I don't want to just point a, a webcam at my 3DS and, and get stuff that way. And I could emulate it, it just yeah. it wouldn't be the same, and I'm not really interested in it. And I have, and this this is something just just no, just taking notes on on yourself is that you are, and you not that you're not a fan, of course, but mm. if 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 it's at all possible, you always love to play the actual versions of the games, whether it be a GameCube, N64. Mm-hmm. You always love to actually play the 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 versions and not emulate them that's that that is quite commendable because it's not always especially with resident evil where no, it's, it's on it, it's very like the n64 in the uk is uh the resident evil 2 is extremely hard to get hold of very expensive so huh. yeah yeah it's um i think it, it runs at about 150 dollars wow yeah it's uh, super expensive um but it's what it is living in a power yeah, country is what it is exactly <laughs> um but yeah and um yeah, that's what that's what I really enjoy is that you don't just review you review the game, you you also review the ports of the game, and that for mm-hmm. me is where Resident Evil becomes very very interesting. Oh, for sure, yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, that that is true. I I try to not so much. Um, I I actually love emulation because that I wouldn't have ever played Chrono Trigger if it wasn't for emulation. Because even at the time of Chrono Trigger's release. You can get a hold of a copy. It was released in such low numbers, and it was pretty expensive. It it held its value, still does. But um, I I would say probably a decade ago, I started really getting into the intricacies of of different consoles and how they look as far as video output goes, and how they perform as far as uh, how they read discs and and the the architecture inside the console. I got really interested in that. So when I do a video on a game, I like to display it the same way you might see it. So. Uh, for example, if I was covering um, RE3 on the GameCube and I mentioned, oh, but it, it messes up 2D assets with the way that they're scaled or something, you might think that that's the case. And you might say that to someone, you know, I would be your, your frame of reference there and you'd be talking to a buddy. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to play the GameCube version. It messes up the 2D assets. And your buddy goes, oh, that's just like that happens in emulation on the actual, you know, that's not the case. Uh, I, I think I have OCD. So if I'm <laughs> no, playing a video game like, okay. and I see something like that, 
I just automatically like I have to check. Okay, do, are my settings wrong on here? Do I need to mess with something? Mm. So I like not having to deal with that. So if I'm on a PS2, I'm like, this is exactly how a PS2 is going to look in your house. Same is going to look in my house. And when you see the bit, the footage on there, I like to upscale stuff so it looks mm. as good as it can, so it's attractive. But the, as far as the video output goes, you're you're seeing the same stuff I'm seeing. So when I make a comment, you could load that same game up. And maybe my interpretation of what's going on might differ from yours, but we both see the same thing, you know? Oh, great. And to a lesser extent, I do a similar thing with my streams. Like where the older Resident Evils, they tend to be sort of four by three. They're not 16 by nine. Mm-hmm. I, uh, the the absolute, um, it's my OCD that's triggering, but like when I go onto a stream and they're streaming an older Resident Evil, the one thing I hate is when they stretch the older games. I don't want to see a fat Chris Redfield running around. It, it, it just, yeah. it, it drives me crazy. And now they, I mean, there's this fantastic model called Gemini who's recently, re, he's recently, um, uh, he, he's basically fixing the old ports of, mm-hmm. of Capcom PC games. And he's, yes. uh, he's just done the same with Dino Crisis. I'm yep. sure you're familiar with it. And mm-hmm. again, 60 mile nine looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, but you love, Resident Evil retrospective so much. You've actually got a seven hour supercut on YouTube. So everybody who's watching, listening to the podcast or you're watching the podcast live, please jump on Avalanche Views channel and check out the seven hour super. This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org holiday. That's childrensnational.org holiday. Cut if you've got a whole day to yourself because it's, <laughs> it's absolutely glorious you know i get a lot of comments from people who drive uh trucks like over the road trucking and they say uh long videos like that just keep them sane and that's really cool because when i made it it was just kind of a you know i i did all the the series the Reg- resident evil retrospective i did every game in the series and i was done with essentially this was around the time the re2 remake had finished and I had all these videos and I had noticed a lot of uh, content creators like Zero Punctuation had a collection of all of his um, Zero Punctuation stuff that he had put out. And I was like, oh, that, that's kind of cool. I saw GameSack doing it. I was like, yeah, you oh, can just cool. click on one video instead of having to go through a playlist and see all the ads that show up before and after every video that plays. So yeah, I'll do that. And I just kind of cut them together. And it took me like an afternoon to render out because I was working on a real low spec machine at the time. Like... By an afternoon, I mean like 12, 13 hours. (laughs) But I did it and I was just like, yeah, this will be a fun thing to just throw out there. And I think those videos might have gotten, that video may get more views than any single episode of the RE retrospective. Just people love the seven hours, I guess. Yeah, so I'm looking here and you're up to 300,000. That's crazy. Which is absolutely crazy for for uh, a review a review of resident evil and th- th- that's what that's what i like is it's not just a it's not just a it's not just a sit down i'm going to talk to you about resident evil it's literally like this is what this is what i thought of the game this is this is just a ba- a massive backstory to the game that you wouldn't just get on a standard review and that's that that rings that rings through to a lot of people i think nice uh, that is yeah. what i was going for i like so there is objective facts you could state about the game but I get really interested in the development cycle. Uh, you know, Resident Evil 4, how many iterations did they go through before that came out? 
RE2 with the RE1.5 development. That stuff is almost as interesting as the stories of the game to me. So when, when I sit down to write a script for one of these videos, that's what I think of. Like, what would I be interested in if someone loaded up a YouTube video in front of me? What would I want to hear? And it's development, video output, uh, little quirks like from uh, one port of RE2, maybe having the hunters inside that secret room in the umbrella base underneath oh, Raccoon yeah. City. You know, little like things like that that when you hear it, you go like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Just I'd like to put a few of those in my videos uh, just so that even if you don't get into the way I edit or the way I speak or something, you can come out of that going like, oh, that was a little nifty piece of information. Yeah, uh, today I learned. And yeah, th- <laughs> uh, you definitely get a vibe. You definitely get a vibe with that. And again, because of how because of how obscure Resident Evil's ports can be, just mm. for the fact you're kind of bringing that to the, the forefront, you're like, did you know there's an N64 version of Resident Evil 2 where, you know, the, like even the technical element of it, we're like, yeah, they squash it down to like a 64 megabit cartridge. Like, yeah. And you're just like, whoa, I did not know that was possible. Um, so uh, you briefly just then spoke about Resident Evil 1.5. And I would love to know your thoughts about Resident Evil 1.5 being... We're a dedicated Resident Evil page. So, right. uh, yeah. Uh, I am of two different minds. I So it sounds like heresy. And I almost wish that we got RE 1.5 instead of 2. I lo- 2 is my wow. favorite game that in the series. Hot, that's a hot take. I that know. I know. <laughs> there, there's something about 1.5 that speaks to me specifically. Um, the, the architecture of the RPD is very cold and very... Uh, isolating feeling whereas in re2 it has a very very like warm feeling a lot of the use of like the color palette in re2 is a lot of like oranges and browns and uh it it has a very warm color like the the visual look to it whereas re 1.5 reminds me of 90s japanese architecture like uh loft style apartment buildings and stuff and something about that to me it's just so visually interesting uh, more so than RE2, even though RE2, no joke, one of my favorite games of all time. Mm. But I don't know if the reason why I would prefer 1.5 is because I'm so familiar with RE2 and it's such a departure, or if it's because RE1.5 just speaks to me more. I, I can't say, you know what I mean? But I, yeah. the look of 1.5 is just incredible to me. And I think it's the allure of getting this tiny window into the development of a game where you can see it before it's done and you can get a feel for what they were working on and what they were going into. It's just, it's too damn cool. So in your opinion, do you think, and again, it's all, it's all hindsight, but do you think it was a bad idea that Capcom continue, uh, scrap the game and then decided to make what is now Resident Evil 2? Do you think if they would have just, if they just, they must have caught the Capcom execs on a bad day and they shouldn't they shouldn't have scrapped it so from what i understand and uh i'm sure someone will fact check me on this but (laughs) from what i know to be true it wasn't so much capcom execs that were uh shouting down the project it was shinji mikami himself who didn't like uh how the the project had progressed he liked the individual assets that went into um re 1.5 but he thought it was too similar to the first game and i think it was his call to restart development, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and when they restarted development, that's when Hideki Kamiya, who um, is famous for the Devil May Cry series, that's when he jumped in and did a lot of the uh, producing and directing. That's 
I think that's the case. And as far as that goes, financially speaking, I don't think anyone can make the argument that RE2 wasn't a, a commercial hit. Mm. So it's not like it was the wrong call. But I have a thing about Shinji Mikami, and I don't think he can be trusted to make a sequel to any of his properties. Because he gets so tired of, you know, past one entry, he's like, that's it, I'm done, let's change everything about the series, you know? <laughs> so I think that's what, the, that's what he was wanting, and I think he was wise to give up uh, creative control to Hideki Kamiya, who was more interested in bringing across the Resident Evil that existed already, as opposed to Shinji Mikami going, let's throw the, all the babies out with every single drop of bathwater and see if we can't make something new inside this thing that's still called Resident Evil. Hmm. And I'll, t- I'll take it. Well, it, it very much sounds like you're you're very you're very knowledgeable about the law behind Resident Evil 1.5. And I try. Um, do you believe? Is the question? Do you believe that there is an 80 percent build out there that some somebody oh. in somebody's attic somewhere it's in the corner just waiting to be just picked up and it's it's, it's a CDR it's got pen <laughs> written on it revision one. Uh, I want to believe that's so bad, but I feel like we would have found it by now. Mm. Like, you know, the, the, the offices of Capcom, they, everybody who worked on Resident Evil is either working somewhere else or, you know, there's not a lot of the old guard left, I guess. Let's put it that way. If somebody had that CDR, I just, I have to assume someone in Japan would have, uh, sold it on like, I don't know, or like a footage of that build would have showed up on Nico Nico or something like that. I like I said, I want to. It, it's like a religious thing for me. I want to believe that that's out there. Uh, maybe factually, not so much. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those those holy grail items, like Resident Evil on the PSP, the mm-hmm. Resident Evil port for the N sixty four. You know, it's one of those things you want to believe that just it's somewhere out there. But I feel like those fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah, and Capcom are known for. Just throwing it, throwing the baby out with the bathwater and starting mm-hmm. again. We know that with we we at least know that with Resident Evil Four, uh, Resident mm-hmm. Evil Three Point Five. Um, I believe there there is there is rumor to towards a, a Resident Evil Five being in a different. I mean, if you looked at the mm-hmm. original trailer, yeah. I mean, oh my god, uh, <laughs> it was so yeah. much more different than what it, I do believe that to be true as well. They probably quit somewhere under halfway through development with RE Five. Which probably had to do with the backlash they had uh, with the trailer. Mm. I believe the the journalist's name was Engai Kroll. I think was his name, and he was the more uh, I won't say vocal because he wrote one article, but that article blew up all over the internet about you know the racial implications of being sure. a white guy gallivanting around Africa and stuff. And I think Africa, or Africa, <laughs> I think Capcom tried to avoid a huge backlash, and it, it seems to make sense to me. Uh, the AI partner mechanics maybe were a little half baked. I can admit. So maybe that was something that didn't have as much time in the oven as the rest of the game. So mm. I, I, I can see that being the case for sure. So would you, so on, on that note, would you consider yourselves more of a classic resident, like sort of the original trilogy? Yeah. That's rather me. than I include what? Code Veronica in the original trilogy, actually. Yeah. Of course. yeah. yeah no, and no, yeah, it, it, it is. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's be honest. Sure. It is the original. Well, Obviously, let's talk about that being the original three, being a spinoff. But to me, that is that is well in there, and yeah. it, it is a little bit. It's a little bit sad the lack of love that Resident Evil Code Veronica has had, especially with when everything in its dog has been remastered. Uh, Resident Evil Four has become the new Skyrim of being released on everything. Resident Evil yeah. Five is certainly getting up there, but 
Kai Veronica is just, uh, <laughs> they yeah. just forgot about it. We, uh, we had one. Okay. So Resident Evil Code Veronica was ported a few times, which was cool mm. in its release era. And then we had one. History shows America rises to every challenge it faces. Every challenge makes us stronger. We're Americans. We find a way. At Kaufman Funeral Home, we give thanks to God for living in the greatest nation on earth. Take comfort in knowing when you need us, we'll be here for you. We'll put your family's needs first. Kaufman Funeral Home and Crematory. Frontier Drive in Stanton. Online at KaufmanFuneralHome.net. like bone thrown to us and that was the resident evil code veronica it was like an hd remaster for the oh. ps3 yeah and xbox 360 yeah. yeah so that was in i've only ever played the ps3 version and i can say that game was incredibly dark on the mm. ps3 and i so this is what i heard and i don't know this to be true but apparently that game was made for full color gamut output whereas most tvs are expecting limited uh, you can go into your consoles and change full versus limited color range, right? And a lot of times, if if you work uh, with content creation and like capture devices, you'll actually, you know, you'll be used to working with, okay, is my device full or limited? And is my capture device expecting blah, blah, blah? I think that there was a miscommunication there where Code Veronica is essentially expecting to output full color range. And when you put it on a PS3 that's set to limited, it's very dark and a lot mm. of the blacks get crushed. Other than that, though, the 2D upscaling for the 2D assets, like in the inventory screen, very cool on that HD mm. remaster. Yeah, I, I do feel like it was very, it was very much like it didn't have this the same sort of love as other remasters had. Oh, like it was, like the the 3D assets were just, I, I don't know what happened with Claire. Like it's just completely, it's just mm. a complete blurry mess. And you're better off just going on, just going on an emulator. And again, it's yeah. emulation, but you're better off yeah, just no, going on. Sure. Going on a fuck a Dreamcast or a PCSX two or something like that, mm-hmm. and just setting it to four K and just leaving it in its original. But what was what's mm-hmm. not spoken about is it's the only version of Code Veronica that is widescreen. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm okay with that. I'm a I'm a fan of four by three visuals. Honestly, uh, I I understand the the desire for them, but I don't know. There's if if a game's assets was were made specifically. Uh, to be shown in four by three, there's sometimes in full 3D games where you can stretch that out to widescreen depending on how the game was rendered. Mm-hmm. You can essentially tell the the console to allow all the stuff that would normally be cut off to be shown, mm. which they do for a lot of uh, HD remasters. I don't believe Code Veronica was one of those games where they had that much to work with on the sides, which is why uh, Claire looks a little fatter in that version because <laughs> she's being stretched a little wider. <laughs> But interestingly enough, the 2D assets, like the inventory, was actually upscaled properly to widescreen. Uh, mm, a lot of that yeah. stuff was redrawn, but that's and, because they replaced a lot of yeah. it. Yeah, and again, with with all with all Resident Evil remasters, nothing could could be done with the CG uh, yeah. cutscenes. It's happened with mm-hmm. Resident Evil Four. It's happened with the remake. They just there's nothing they can do. They've thrown the original source material out. Yeah, is what it is. <laughs> interestingly, <laughs> Not, that happens a lot more than you would think. Uh, you know early to late 90s Japanese game development, Konami, Capcom, they're, they're all uh, guilty of just, when they're finished, throwing the source code away, clearing out all the servers and starting on the next game or something. I, I can only just imagine the HD remasters we would have right now with the level of technology we're at if they just had the source code for a lot of these games. It didn't have to go back and 
and and and like trace back all of their original work on some you know different version of the game. I don't know. That yeah. would be so cool to see if they just had terabyte hard drives back then that were easily accessible. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the same thing happened with the Silent Hill two and three remasters. Yeah, just absolutely. Through the, I mean, what your 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 retrospective was a little bit more in depth, and uh, maybe I'm just skimming the surface, but. From memory, didn't they do the? Didn't they um, use a build of the Silent Hill Two, which was like in like alpha or beta, mm-hmm. to to make the remaster rather than the final build of the game? So it had like tons of bugs, which were ironed out for the original release, but obviously mm-hmm. they're now present. Yeah, that's that's exactly how it worked. So uh, when and this is what I know from Westwood Studios. This is their description of the process, and they are pretty well known. Importing, so I feel like this is, uh, you know, this is good authority. What they do is they take a game and they upscale all the assets and they make like a non-working PC version. And that non-working PC version serves as the platform by which they make their remaster. So they essentially go in and do like a, a find and replace, right? So they 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 take the model for James Sunderland, they mm-hmm. upscale it individually, place it back into this non-working PC build, and then they start moving assets around in that way. Um, with Silent Hill, they didn't have a fully functioning uh, source code for Silent Hills 2 and 3. So what they did is they went back to, like you said, production copies that were who knows how far into production, but not very, judging by the bugs that were present. Mm. And then you have to also worry about the bugs that you're introducing during the upscaling process or during uh, switching code around. You may have a, a null marker that used to point to somewhere that now doesn't because you took that asset out of the game. There's all kinds of things you could run into, and the idea is, is to work with the best version of what you can, and that's not what they did, which is crazy because there were already working PC versions that they could draw from. So you, yeah. you could have taken the PC version of Silent Hill 2, which was relatively buggy, but those are bugs you can fix relatively easily, as shown by the um, most recent, oh Christ, what is it? Uh, Silent Hill Restoration Project, I want to say. I forget. Cool. Uh, you're able to squash those bugs and you're able to stretch that to widescreen and allow more assets to be shown on the side. Those are all things that could have been done. And the studio that worked on the Silent Hill HD collection just, I guess, weren't knowledgeable in that sense. And it, you, I came to find out they weren't knowledgeable about a lot of things as far as game design goes. <laughs> they didn't perf- They didn't implement voice recordings very well. They didn't record voices very well also. It was just a very odd production cycle for sure. So with that being said, what is your favorite? And again, I don't want to talk about every single Resident Evil individually, but mm. say if you went, you were going to go back and play Resident Evil 2, the original Night version, what would be your favorite method of playing it? Favorite port, effectively. Um, oh, man, that's rough. I, so my favorite Resident Evil game, Teeter Totters in between RE2 and RE1, just those two, and maybe the RE1 remake. And as I keep thinking, that list is going to grow more and more. But it, okay, so let's start with my favorite being the original release of RE2. If I was going to play that, I always play it on the PS1. Um, I'm used to the way it looks there. I will admit the GameCube version looks incredible for what it is. And especially if you have the hardware it takes to output clean video from your gamecube uh it's just that's an amazing way to play it but something about that ps1 original i just i gotta i gotta i gotta keep it there because that's where all my nostalgia is and i you know what's interesting i used to not own re2 for the longest time like i said i grew up real poor so i would rent games for like five bucks over a weekend or something 
And I just have these memories of renting RE2 every weekend for months on end and just playing it and beating it. Just, you know, because I, I, I didn't earn money at that time. You know, I was really young. I wasn't working. So, you know, five, five bucks at the end of the week, I'll go down to the local video shop, rent RE2, and then just beat it while listening to like an album on my CD player. I have so many good memories of doing that, that when I put RE2 in a PS1 or PS2 right now, that I'm just brought right back there, you know? No, yeah, totally. And um, for me, I think, I don't know, the PS1 version, again, it's, 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 it's the OG. It's what we all, let's be honest, it's, what, it's the version that we all played. But mm-hmm. I'm finding myself playing the... For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided exceptional care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to give children and healthcare heroes a reason to believe this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. Obviously the Source Next version, but out of nowhere, this, this um, again, HD upscale is not really, you know, the um, AI, oh, AI yeah, rendered GameCube. Mm-hmm. A seamless HD, I think it's called. Seamless HD project. That's, yep. That's that's really really. It's insane. My oh my god! I, I streamed RE three, the seamless HD project, and I must have doubled my playtime in that game because I would just keep stopping and turning off the seamlessly upscaled backgrounds and just talking to chat. Would you look at you know? I'm just fucking losing my mind over it. I will say the the version of the RE two seamless HD project is not up to the same level of quality. As the RE3 one, but if, if I understand correctly, the assets they were working with are a little higher fidelity in RE3 for some reason. But yeah, both of those two are, I would say, my, maybe not the best way to experience your first time, unless you're really locked into this modern HD graphics mindset. Uh, if you're willing to venture into like older video games, I would say it's probably key to have a good base level frame of reference and that's ps1 polygons and you know pixelated 2d graphics oh no agreed 100 <laughs> percent agreed so um moving swift moving swiftly on you've got this amazing retrospective series you're slowly starting to move into the movie side of resident evil yeah what are your upcoming plans uh, so I told people that I was going to finish the live action movie series. Now I wish I didn't because I'm going to have to. <laughs> but I, I was in a weird situation where I'd only seen the first two RE movies. And I remember like enjoying them for what they are, but being, you know, disappointed that they weren't like the RE games. And back then my expectations were, okay, we're going to take the game and put it on the silver screen. That's going to be it. Mm. And I was disappointed. Obviously, that's not what we got. So I kind of just, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not interested in that. I'll keep playing the games and the movies can keep doing their thing. We won't bother each other. So now uh, I've just recently, and um, it'll be live this upcoming week, uh, oh, covered Resident Evil lovely. Extinction. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> yeah. But I wish it was a better exclusive because I do not like Resident Evil Extinction very much <laughs> at all. <laughs> But I, I'm trying to go into these with an open mind as, okay, these aren't going to be like the games. Let's judge them. Are, are they in entertaining movies? And sometimes that's the case. But as I'm finding out, uh, past yeah, the I'll, second I'll game, bad, not yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've chosen to punish myself live uh, for an audience on YouTube. <laughs> So how so how far are like I know you're uh, about to release a video on Extinction, but how far? Um, like behind the scenes, are you in the in the movie series? That's that's where I've stopped. I've, I'm going to start okay. with what comes after Extinction. Afterlife is it? 
I think yeah. it is Afterlife. Okay, so I I have Afterlife, and I'm going to start watching it. But how I like to do it is, since these are movies I'm watching for the first time, I like to have the movie playing on one monitor, and I have like a notepad document on the other one, and I just write my script as the movie plays. Mm. So I'll, I'll pause it and be like, oh, and this scene, and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I don't want to watch through it first and then write a script. I want it to be just like whatever nonsense comes to my mind uh, very first seeing whatever nonsense is happening on screen oh no <laughs> great and um now that we're talking about the movies i've just this has just come to my head um now now that we're talking about the movies i'm sure you may be aware but george a romero mm. was penned to be the original director yep. of the the first resident evil film did you get a chance because and it's sad. I haven't actually checked it out myself, but did you get a chance to review it? And if you did, what was your thoughts? So I haven't actually read through his entire script. Um, I will say this. It's, it seemed like, uh, based on, on what I saw, that it, it was going to be a better movie than the first one because it was, it was more interested in being a zombie movie than what Paul Anderson was trying to go for, which was... Um, a, a kind of horror action flick that would bring in a huge market. Uh, George Romero was more interested in telling a more human story inside of a zombie movie, which I thought would have been more successful. But that being said, George Romero, towards the end of his career, wasn't exactly putting out bangers at that time also, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so uh, that could have been just a bad situation going in the opposite direction that Paul Anderson was. So um, we may have dodged a bullet with that one. Who knows? But if Teenage Me... You know, especially after seeing the uh, George Romero directed RE2 commercials mm. that aired in Japan, uh, I can't help but feel like the world would be a different place, maybe a better place right now if that version of the film might have come out. Yeah, it's one of those odd things. Like, I, I've seen people, you know, that have read the whole script and, you know, say, like, oh man, this is the movie we deserved 100%. Mm. And then I've seen it just in the same in the opposite direction where they're like, you know, as much as I hate the Paul Anderson films, they were definitely better. And I mean, you know, you can tell late in life Romero's, you know, standard of quality definitely, yeah. you know, went down. So I agree. Like, even if the first one would have been spot on, I think somebody else would have probably had to finish out. You know, I, I would assume that they would have made, you know, two or three more movies after that. Um, yeah. So it's probably for the best that, you know, Paul was able to keep control the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, we have a, a consistent Resident Evil movie series now. It may not be good consistently, but we know what to expect from Paul Anderson RE movies. Yeah. It's got what it says on the tin, so to speak. <laughs> um, yeah. And I suppose in that regard, have you had a chance to check out the animated films at all? Yes, I did. Yeah. I have covered all of the CG animated films, with the exception of 4D Executor, which I, I should mm. probably start working on now that I think about it. Mm. Um, I'm not a giant fan of the CG animated films either, in, in the sense that uh, they don't... I think that probably the closest RE movie that mirrors the gameplay experience of the video games is, um, I believe it's Degeneration, the first CG movie. That I think um, the structure of the film follows the structure of the games perfectly, where you have an uh, like your initial incident that the main characters are involved in, and then you have the introduction of a tyrant, and then there is uh, you know a self destruct sequence inside of a lab that takes place while you're battling a tyrant. Glorious. It, just, it it all it fits the same layout. It's not as good quality wise, but 
that's probably my favorite of all the RECG films as far as, as Resident Evil goes. But as far as like watchability goes and just having a thing of popcorn in front of you, the last CG movie, um, the one with Chris and Leon doing like gun kata, uh, <laughs> in the middle of a group of zombies. I forget what that one's called, but that, yeah, you, you want to talk about an interesting, like fun movie. That's it. Yeah, no, Vendetta is, uh, is yeah. a, you know, is definitely a, you know, John Wick-esque action mm-hmm. film. But, you know, it's pure fan service. I mean, you know, it's it's fun for what it is. Like, you're definitely not adding to the Resident Evil lore or anything with it. But no. you want you want a good mindless action flick with familiar characters. Vendetta is your movie. For sure, yeah. But now you did you did mention the 40 Executor film. Like, have you actually had a chance to watch that in its entirety before or? Yeah, I have, I have a lot of nostalgia for the 40 Executor film because, um, I remember as a kid back when dial up internet was like your only option. So I, I was using dial up and I spent two days downloading the original Japanese version uh, around the time that it was being shown. So I, I had, uh, like a, a camcorder recorded version of, of it, which was, pretty insane and it was really blurry because it was meant to be seen with the 3d glasses on (laughs) so but i watched that as as a a, as a teen so i have a lot of like just when i think about that movie i think about the layout of the room i was in and then i was using a compact presario like a pre-built machine with dial-up internet access that was a fun time i need to cover that yeah, because if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think they actually in some theaters in Japan up up until recently still show um, the 40 Executor film annually. Like I, I, I might have cool. stopped. It, it might have stopped within the past couple of years, but I know up until at least um, 2016 or 2017, I believe it was still being shown in select theaters. There's some um, booths that kind of like you know like your like Dave and Buster's style places that still. Yeah. Uh, uh, That's cool. So. I, I will tell you this based on my experience inside Tokyo specifically, they still love Resident Evil over there. Like I've eaten at the, the Resident Evil uh, Capcom cafe and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I would as, just based on what I know, assume that that's true because they, they still love RE over there, which is really cool. And they get so, they get so many kind of badass experiences too. Like uh, the Valiant Raid, you know, Biohazard Valiant Raid, the uh, VR game mm-hmm. that you uh, that they released right after Resident Evil 2 where you play as I, I believe you play as Hunk and the um, USS team going after William Burke and all you know VR walkthrough experience and then the uh, Resident Evil 7 kind of escape the you know escape the house mm-hmm. I think it takes place somewhere right before Ethan shows up you play as another you know victim of the Baker's family History shows America rises to every challenge it faces. Every challenge makes us stronger. We're Americans. We find a way. At Kaufman Funeral Home, we give thanks to God for living in the greatest nation on earth. Take comfort in knowing when you need us, we'll be here for you. We'll put your family's needs first. Kaufman Funeral Home and Crematory. Frontier Drive in Stanton. Online at KaufmanFuneralHome.net. And it's like, and even it, earlier it, than that, there is uh, the RE stage show, which was like a musical mm-hmm. Resident Evil. <laughs> and then they had uh, they had Resident Evil themed like uh, uh, like uh, what are those things? You know, like a haunted house style uh, mm. spook show type of event. Oh yeah, they all do all over those, Tokyo. They, yeah, and they I know um or, or uh, I was going to say Orlando uh, Universal Studios uh, Japan actually puts on a lot mm-hmm. of Resident Evil 
like horror, you know, haunted houses like that. I think the most recent one they did was uh, Biohazard: The Extreme. Yeah. Uh, that's oh cool. yeah. You know, I, and I, I I've seen walkthrough videos of it and pictures and stuff. I mean, it's just an insane experience, and it's one of those things. Yeah. Like, you know, I can't afford to go to Japan, but you know, like. Uh, you know, it'd be it'd be great to take a you know a little trip there sometime during. I mean, because like you said, you know, there's always got so much going on. I, I uh, highly recommend it, I, if not just for Resident Evil. Uh, being in in a culture where the stuff that you get into as as a niche little hobby hmm. is on a you know sixty foot projection screen in the middle of Shinjuku Square. You know what I mean? It, it's <laughs> yeah. a really odd thing to be around normal human beings that typically you wouldn't be like, yo, I, I play video games. You know, that's kind of like a, when you get home, you play some video games, whatever. In, in Japan, it's everywhere. The advertising, you know, or, or like the the events and the cafes and stuff, the Square Enix cafe is super mm. cool. It, it's gaming is everywhere there, and it's in full view of the public. Whereas over here, it's like kind of like we hide that away in the corner. Oh yeah, indeed. And it would be nice if it was like I, I always try and make the point. You know, we need to make Resident Evil mainstream because it is still such a niche, um, mm. niche genre, niche game. I know we briefly spoke about j- just then. Uh, Jesse picked up on the Baker family, Ethan. And I would love to know your thoughts. Um, so we started off the original trilogy. I feel like we moved towards more action horror. And then mm. Capcom started to dip their toes in with Revelations. And then they just balls to the wall, went straight back into survival horror with Resident Evil 7. What was your journey with that? And what do you, what do you think of Resident Evil 7? And of course, Resident Evil 8. Um, so I have a very odd journey with RE7. I was a purist at heart when RE7 was being announced. And I was just like, nah, this is, this isn't for me. You know what I mean? I just, it, I saw it and I just immediately knew in my heart that this was not going to be the game for me. I was very uh, hard headed, you could say. I just, I wanted survival horror back. And when everybody was clamoring that RE was going in a more horror centric direction, I assumed that's what they meant. And first person was nowhere near the first thought that I had in my head. Uh, so I watched the trailers. I just decided I, I I wasn't into it. I didn't watch the reviews or anything because I just was not really interested in the whole RE7 thing. So then I went to uh, Tokyo Game Show and they had like an RE7 big booth and it was themed like the Baker Estate and they had a big TV playing the trailer. <clears throat> and okay, so like the hype levels started to increase a little bit there. But when I got back to the States, they just went right back down. I didn't <laughs> care anymore. And then I started the Resident Evil retrospective, which was a few years after RE7's release. Um, I don't know how many, but it was it was a long enough time that the series had gone on. Uh, RE2 remake had already been announced and everything. So that's how late into it was. And I got to that point in the retrospective, and I was like, I, I got to play it now. You know, it's, this is it's time to shine. And I started it up and fell in love with it. I really, really liked it a lot. Oh, brilliant! So, yeah, so I. I I was expecting one thing and I just, I did not know what I was in for. And as I played it, the atmosphere was on point. The cold, quiet, isolated nature of it was just great. I feel like the um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like influence of it just fit so well with what I thought was more of a Resident Evil side story to me. Mm. It felt like playing Survivor or something, you know? So I really liked it a lot. And I made a video on it and I just, I couldn't stop praising it. It has its flaws, obviously, but as far as I go, if you're making a first person game and your inspiration is survival horror, you don't get any better than RE7 so far that I played because they, they get the closest to 
backtracking around a big spooky environment that looks lived in, which is what I liked about RE1. RE7 looks like an old rickety house anyone may have been in before, you know? I, I got into that aspect of it. I really enjoyed the game. And seeing RE8, I'm afraid I'm going through that same cycle again because it does not look as appealing to me. So I, I'm a little worried about it, but I've made a very conscious effort to be more positive this time around. So I'm going to say that as of right now, we've seen very little. So mm. I'll keep that in mind. But I'm going to try to not be negative about it. And I'm obviously, I'm going to play it anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I'm going to try to expect the same type of surprise I did with RE7, where they end up blowing me away. Indeed. And so what was your... I'll, t- I'll take it you did you did you watch the reveal as it was live or did you did you just see online oh shit Resident Evil 8's been Resident was you following the leaks I mean what uh, what point I wasn't was you following from? the leaks I I so I've 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 made this um this approach to RV games recently where I don't follow any trailers I don't follow any leaked information uh, because with RE2 remake for some reason I just decided I want to jump in blind. So past the initial trailer of RE2, uh, I, I, I saw nothing of the game. I didn't know how the story worked. I didn't know what they were adding or taking away. So when I played RE2 Remake for the first time, I finished both campaigns in the same night. I was just so just into that game. It just it, it sucked me in. I want to do that with future RE games. So I stayed away from everything but the initial trailer of RE8. And even as things release now, people are telling me stuff. And I'm just I, I don't want to hear it. I, I want to jump in blind. As as it is right now, as far as I understand, there's werewolves and like vampires, which to me sounds like a cool horror game. Maybe not so much a cool Resident Evil game, but when I jump into the game, I'm not going to know how those things actually play out. Hopefully, I'll be surprised and they work them into the narrative very organically. Let's hope so. Well, that well, that's one thing I've noticed, and I you know this obviously <laughs> isn't a slight at you, but you know a lot of people you know just jump straight in like oh werewolves, you know, vamp, you know, things that are, look like vampires, things that look like witches. There's no way this is a Resident Evil game, you know. Mm-hmm. It's that, you know, this cool horror game, not Resident Evil thing. And, it's like, you know, if if you look back at the series, you know, so, like, you know, over its history, there's so many, like, of these kind of, you know, off-kilter um, horror elements <laughs> that have, you know, like, you know we, we know all, you know, werewolf stories. You know, we've, we've seen, you know, all the movies and stuff. You get bit by, you know, werewolf, you turn into one. You know, but we've never, you know, I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to explain these things away with a virus, you know. Yeah, it, I agree. Kind of, you know, mm. it's kind of funny that people, you know, they'll draw the line at werewolf, but like hunters and drain demios and stuff like that all makes sense. Like it's like, oh, yeah, you know, a virus can, you know, turn a half, you know, half reptile, half man into, you know, a monster. But it's far fetched to think that, you know, a, you know, some kind of a canine DNA and uh, human DNA might produce a werewolf. Like, so, you know, it's always funny to me that, you know, where, where we as fans are willing to draw the lines on what's acceptable. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, I actually, I totally agree, but I will say this in my defense, cool. the, those elements that you just described are also things that I'm not as much of a fan of in the RE series. Oh. I, and so when I first, um, Resident Evil was my first introduction to your, uh, your typical zombie media, right? And the second thing that I ever experienced as far as zombies goes was the Tom Savini remake of George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. And I was blown away at how similar they were. So my concept of Resident Evil games essentially comes from RE1 
and the uh, Night of the Living Dead remake. So I'm really interested in, to, in this idea that you have this group of survivors surrounded by zombies on all sides. And, and the zombies, to me, are very like viscerally scary because they represent like this this husk of a human being. You can see someone that's visually recognizable as a person. They're wearing like a construction worker uniform. Like, hey, this is a guy I've ran into before, right? But the, there's nothing in their eyes. The lights aren't on upstairs, you know? And they're acting in a way that's very inhuman, almost animalistically. That's what freaks me out about zombies is that crazy humanoid form that's walking around acting not like a human. Whereas the hunters and the lickers, cool concepts for sure. I like, I have a, you know, I have a liquor figure over here. I love liquors, but as far as when you're pushing to me the story of uh, like a, a disease or a virus that causes these zombies and stuff, I, I think you're starting to stretch my suspension of disbelief when you start to add in giant tyrants and liquors and hunters and stuff. For me, the core of a Resident Evil game is always dodging zombies and and being super scared that they're going to break in at any moment, you know? That's a fair. That's a, that's a fair justification. Can't can't I, I have, with that. Like I said, I have a weird perspective on a lot of this stuff. No, that's uh, no. It's, but again, everyone, everyone's got a different experience of Resident Evil, and that's why mm. it's so powerful. That's why it's such yeah. a, a powerful uh, set a bit of media is that everybody's got a different perspective on what they think, which is why sometimes Capcom can struggle to please everybody because everybody's yeah. everybody's perception of what resident evil is is different so mm. that is a perfect segue it's talking about resident evil 3 remake what did you think of the latest remake from capcom i feel like i'm in the minority with this one i really really enjoyed it i liked oh, it a lot we, yeah we really enjoyed it too oh good <laughs> okay it. yeah we loved it you're, you're, <laughs> among, you're among like company here okay good <laughs> oh yeah so, i so I did the same thing with our, with, that I did with the RE2 remake where I didn't pay attention to a lot of early reviews or leaked stuff or trailers or images. I stayed off of Twitter, you know, and I jumped into RE3 remake and I noticed right off the bat that they nailed what I think that they are going for with these remakes. And what I think they're doing is adding, they, you take the original game as your base. Now they don't, obviously it's not a one for one remake, but what they do is they create this more gritty, ground-level, modern 2020 cinematic experience. This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. That's childrensnational.org slash holiday versus the old ones, which was like a 1996 uh, B-movie, right? So each remake so far, we've only had two to test this against, but this is my working theory. RE2 remake was the intention of the original RE2 put into their you know gritty, dark, cinematic uh, framework that they're doing with the remakes. RE3 is the exact intention of, of RE3 remake is the exact uh, idea that was behind RE3, which was a more action-oriented affair, uh, more of an emphasis on mobility, on dodging with your dodge roll and stuff, uh, more of an emphasis on combat. And I think if you were judging them as remakes against each other, they did the same thing on different ends of the spectrum. You had the more atmospheric uh, 
run away from enemies. It's spooky and scary in RE2. And then with RE3, you have the more ammo available, more options for combat, which both of those things were in the original releases as well. So I felt like it was a very accurate remake in that sense. You know, you took the original idea behind RE3 and put it into a modern game. So it got high scores as far as that goes. And then I watched reviews after I finished writing my script and, you know, doing my thing for the retrospective entry. And I started noticing everybody was complaining about the missing content. And I agree. I would have loved to have seen an RE3 remake that had that content present. But I kind of, I was, I was locked into a weird position where while personally I would have liked to have seen that I am reviewing a video game and I kind of have to review it on what's available to me. So I can't exactly say, oh, well, it didn't have this content because if I'm grading it on the content that's present inside the game as released, I really enjoyed that content. And while I agree with everyone, obviously there were things cut. I would have liked to have seen those things not cut. The things that weren't cut that made it into the game were so very well done. I oh, The pace of the game was just nonstop. It was just from one like area to the next. And it felt like all this stuff was happening in that night. You know what I mean? Like it, it felt like you were just going through and you were just by the seat of your pants flying through all these situations. Whereas RE2 was a little more of a somber, slow moving affair. So I don't know. I, I got into it. I thought that it achieved its goal as far as that goes. And maybe this is my theory. The game wouldn't have been so well paced if those things were included. Obviously, I think we all know it was probably a, a budgetary constraint. Yeah. We got to get this thing out. We've been working on it, blah, blah, blah. They, they wanted to ride the hype of RE2 Remake, clearly. But if you're judging it on the content present, I think it wins. Hmm. And just touching on your retros, you, you did a, sorry, you did a review on it, didn't you? Not a retrospective. Mm-hmm. You actually had Jeff Shine on to yes. talk about some things, which for what, for some reason you don't like promoting that because <laughs> I went into that totally blind and then you went, Hey, yeah, we're talking with Jeff Shine. <laughs> what do you think about the game? I was like, why the hell didn't you promote that problem? Uh, promote that, like get it out there. But no, that was absolutely well done. And, um, how did that come about? Uh, oddly enough, I was streaming RE3 remake, um, I so I, I I never really get a lot of advanced review copies for video games. A lot of people smaller than me seem to. It's just a who you know type of thing. And I'm more interested in reviewing games than I am talking to developers and stuff. You know what I mean? If, if I've talked to like Tom Hewlett, who worked on the later Silent Hill games, and you know I'll DM with him back and forth when I'm working on a Silent Hill video, but I, I don't have a lot of contacts in the industry. Let's put it that way. So I had to play RE3 remake the same time you know everyone else did. So I was working on my video. And I was like, oh, I'm done working on the video and I'm, I'm kind of like, you're bored with editing right now. So let's start up a quick stream, stream some RE3 remake. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty popular stream. People came out and it was really fun. We we're having a fun conversation. And there was a, a guy chatting the entire time named Jeff who was just talking about like, yeah, what I enjoyed about this game, blah, blah, blah. And we were just going back and forth. And he let me know kind of towards the end of the game. Oh, by the way, I'm Jeff Shine. I was Carlos in this game. And I was like, no way. Feel free to step in at any time. <laughs> <laughs> there was no fuck. I was like, listen, if you are, because I still didn't believe, you know, because it's the internet. You could just say <laughs> you're this guy. And I didn't even know who Jeff Shine was, to be totally honest. So um, I was like, okay, if you're Jeff Shine, do send me a DM on Twitter. Let's let's talk. Let's Let's get this going. We could stream this out. And he actually did. He sent me a DM. He was super... Uh, just willing to talk. 
And I was like, yeah, let's, uh, I was thinking more of like an interview type deal. Cause I'm, I, I would like to know a lot about the whole process and we could stream it live and just kill two birds with one stone. Everybody can hear these answers to all these questions. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And then he showed up and we talked and he was just the most down to earth, cool, regular Joe you ever talked to. Was he, was he a Resident Evil fan before? So he says that he was familiar with RE3 and like he was on the periphery of him being a gamer. But he, he says he's, he couldn't tell you like a specific thing that happened in the original RE3 or anything. It was just one of those things that happened in the timeline of him playing video games. But he wasn't like, you know, a hardcore RE fan, according mm. to him. See, that's what's kind of beautiful in a way about his rendition of Carlos mm-hmm. in, in Resident Evil 3 is he put his own, put his own spin on it. Oh, for sure. yeah, that, that was his reason too. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it probably the performance is much better because I think we can all agree the original Carlos, a little, oh, little too, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> a little too D of a character, you know, like yeah. he wasn't exactly, he didn't have a lot of depth to him. And no. this, this Carlos, and this is what I told him, I don't like, <laughs> I didn't want him to think that I was like sucking up to him because he's this voice actor in this game that I love. It's like just straight up honest opinion coming from a guy who enjoyed the media you brought that character to fucking life with your performance. Um, And I mean, people can say what they want about Resident Evil 3. They can say it had cut content. They can say it's too short. It was outsourced. The Carlos character is 10 times better than the previous character. He was better written. Jeff Shine delivered his lines to absolute perfection. And Carlos is an absolute sweetheart in that game, honestly. No, he really is. He, 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 he won the whole game over for me, honestly. Don't get me wrong. Jill was a great character, but you just were not expecting Carlos to jump out as your favorite in the game. You know, he just, every line he delivered was just, it was him. You know what I mean? It wasn't so much Jeff Shine playing a character. Like that was Carlos in there, you know? Oh, indeed. Uh, indeed. So what else are you playing at the moment? Because it's one question I always get asked, and I'm kind of like, uh, I'm not really playing anything, I'm playing Resident Evil. What, what, else, are you, what else have you been uh, playing recently? Uh, so I have decided, well, I haven't decided. My, my viewer base has decided. Uh, I have an idea between two series that I wanted to cover for the next full series retrospective because I'm coming at the tail end of Silent Hill. I have in my hands right now, the book of memories for the PS Vita. And I'm capturing that on a uh, PS TV with uh, modded firmware. So I can get uh, like integer correct output and say, yeah, I'm so um, <laughs> being familiar with even a little bit of my work. That's what I'm doing with the book of memories. You just couldn't, you just, you just couldn't help yourself. Could you? you just no, could I not could help not. yourself. <laughs> that is exactly the way to put it. Um, so I'm doing that. And a, a, a follower of mine on Twitter was nice enough to say, Hey, listen, I have, uh, PT, the PT demo on my PS4. I'll just ship that out to you. You can return it to me when you're done with the video. Holy shit. So, <laughs> which is amazing. So now I'll be able to cover that. So I have two games left and I figured, you know, we're starting to start thinking about the future. What are we going to do? I put it to a vote and Dead Space is the next full Ooh. series retrospective. So I'm starting in on that. I'm about eh, like three and a half, four hours into the first Dead Space game so far. Initial folks? Uh, I loved it from the day it came out and, and uh, playing it again. That is still true. It's still an incredible game. I think a lot of times, uh, and this is something we might could talk about in depth. I think a lot of times uh, people who play games, but mostly people who cover games uh, like, you know, journalists and reviewers and stuff don't have the right concept of what survival horror is. And I think Dead Space always gets called a survival horror game. 
uh, first person games like Amnesia. They're like, yeah, the first person survival horror game. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, listen. It can be a horror game with survival elements. Yeah. Those two together don't create survival horror. Survival horror is more than the sum of those two words put together. And I think that's what a lot of people don't get. But that my initial thing, and even playing through it now, is this game is incredible. It's scary. It's terrifying. The atmosphere is just mm, at a perfect 10. Just not survival horror. And that's not a knock against the game. It is a knock towards survival horror. Because survival horror is its own thing. It has a very specific, in my eyes, in my interpretation, survival horror has a very specific list of things you have to follow. And if one or two of those things are missing, you still have a great game, great horror game, fun playing game, just not survival horror game. So you mentioned amnesia. Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more. For your dough on stand mixers, mm. or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more <gasps> bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. You're there. What are other games that are, and again, you mentioned journalist integrity about what survival horror is what would you say is another big game that gets or a, a few games that are that are always called survival horror but are really not uh so let's be a little controversial right off the bat re4 oh <laughs> <laughs> people constantly say hey it's a survival horror game you should like it it's like no it's not it's a re4 it's a great game it's awesome it's just you know it, there are play i i play the shit out of street fighter 5 it's a great game it's not survival horror like it doesn't take away from the experience but re4 is an action shooter you know like it has a lot of arcadey elements that just aren't present in any survival horror game period the end and you could still make compliments towards re4 and talk about how you loved certain things and i may disagree on any one of those points but the one thing that i think we all have to agree on is if you take resident evil 1 and hold it next to resident evil 4 you will find zero similarities at period the end. And, you know, rightly so. He wasn't trying to make a survival horror game. I think if you asked Shinji Mikami right now, if you were present on this, he would say, no, no, I wasn't. I, I, I wasn't intending to create a survival horror experience. And rightly so, because it's not. So he succeeded perfectly in his plan, if that was the case. Hmm. Um, other than that, yeah. I would say really any first-person non-combat game. A, a lot of people think, you know, like I mentioned, Amnesia or Outlast. They're oh. like, yeah, survival horror games like that. And in my interpretation, uh, you can't have a survival horror game if combat isn't an option. Now, in survival horror, the typical uh, approach is to not engage in combat as much as possible, right? But the fact that it's an option available to you is integral to the genre because you have to be able to decide not to engage in combat. Mm. And of course, you know, you're going to have boss fights where you're forced into it, but the thing is, is the, the, the part of the game or the part of the genre that works is how much it is. And I don't know how familiar you guys are with the genre, but they're essentially point and click adventure games with the mouse cursor removed. You have item based uh, puzzles. You have logic based puzzles where you have to refer back to files and notes and stuff. As a fan of adventure games, you know, I see those all the time. And at the time, they were essentially mirroring alone in the dark, which was an adventure game, pure sure. and simple. So I think. If you take the choice of combat out of the game and you no longer have that choice, either you have to engage in combat 
like a, let's say a Devil May Cry situation where you're locked in a room, door doesn't open until you finish killing all the monsters. That's not survival horror, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you have a game where combat is not an option, you have to run away from every enemy and everything's one hit kill. Also, not survival horror because the, the idea is you have to have combat as an option in the game and then you have to uh, disincentivize disincentivize, I hate saying that word, mm. the player from engaging in it. And RE4 incentivizes engaging in combat because if you kill, if you down a Plagas enemy, they're going to give you ammo. They're going to give you healing items. That's a reward for engaging in combat. Versus in Resident Evil, no matter what you did, combat was a net negative. You either used health items, you expelled ammo, or you, know, or you took damage. Those are three things that are negatives. They take you down. The only positive you have is, okay, this zombie is no longer in this hallway, right? So that's the decision you have to make in survival horror games versus a game that makes that decision for you. I don't think it works. Also, a slight rebuttal on that would be that if you kill the nemesis, there is a risk versus reward factor of that. I feel like with the nemesis, he's superimposing, he's always after you. But if you kill him, and if you've got, if you've got the, the ammo to, and again, it absolutely wipes your ammo out. It, it, yeah. Sometimes you are not better off by killing the nemesis. Mm-hmm. But if you do, you are rewarded, especially in the original, you are rewarded extremely well. And I, that's I, a good I think, point, actually. Yeah. I think for me, like, that's a kind of key point of survival horror is that you're, you're, you're told, right, there is a, there is an imposing threat. You can either choose the risk versus reward element to run mm-hmm. away from him. But if you engage, it makes your life a little bit easier. But there is also a trade-off of that. You get less ammo, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. knowing that it's already, you know, pretty scarce sure. as it is. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you can make that choice and what I think is integral to the genre. Yeah, you're totally right, though. That does, my definition of survival horror does not stand up to the existence of Nemesis. Well, when I play RE3, I never kill Nemesis. <laughs> it works out perfectly. <laughs> well, that's it. So having, you know, with the, with the comparison of, you know, survival horror versus just, you know, the action horror that we saw, you know, Resident Evil 4, 5, 6, where do you feel the remakes uh, of 2 and 3, do you think that they stay true um, to their the source material and the fact that they are survival horror games, or do you still classify them in the later genre of Resident Evil titles that are more action horror um, media? Uh, so I would say uh, in my Personal definition, RE2 and 3 Remake aren't survival horror games, but they are probably about as close as you can get to a survival horror game with uh, the RE4 camera style and combat and movement style. Um, So I think they are incredible horror games. I wouldn't say action horror. They're definitely not like the later RE4, 5, and 6 titles. Uh, Even 7 to me, I, I would say 7 probably comes the... That's hard to say. I'll just say this. Uh, 7, RE2, and RE3 Remake. Those three games are just pure and simple horror games. There are action elements for sure. And are, even with RE3, there's a huge emphasis on action. But even then, the horror elements, I, I think, take the main stage. Um, I wouldn't call them survival horror, though. I would say that those are those are horror games, atmosphere horror games. I might go as far mm-hmm. as saying that. Okay. But uh, definitely not... Not not in the same vein as four or five or six, but what is really <laughs> sliding scale, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing, though. But I think we've kind of maybe moved past the uh, the days of like a true survival horror game. You know, don't get me wrong; like there there's definitely plenty of you know indie developers that are you know bringing back 
you know, the survival horror genre side projects. But, you know, if you look at it, it's almost like it requires um, older feeling hardware or older feeling, you know, graphics. Like I have, you know, out of all of the most of the newer titles that came out that are, you know, either third person or first person perspective, like definitely horror, but just don't give the same feel of like an old Silent Hill or an old Resident Evil. Sure, uh, yeah. So like it, it's almost like we've we've kind of progressed out of that era, like to recapture, um, you know, for like nope. at least on a you know from a mainstream company, we've made a um, you know survival horror title special back in the day. Uh, I, I agree with you, by the way. I think I think you're right, but I, I would tweak that a little bit. This is my feelings on, and, and this is something I've, I've recently come to grips with. And I think that this might be something that you guys might benefit from this idea. So I think you're right that survival horror has its roots in a very, you could even call it antiquated approach to game design. Uh, It's very effective though, which is why. History shows America rises to every challenge it faces. Every challenge makes us stronger. We're Americans. We find a way. At Kaufman Funeral Home, we give thanks to God for living in the greatest nation on earth. Take comfort in knowing when you need us, we'll be here for you. We'll put your family's needs first. Kaufman Funeral Home and Crematory. Frontier Drive in Stanton. Online at KaufmanFuneralHome.net. I tend to think that you can't have survival horror without at least a, a, an emphasis on a fixed perspective. Whereas uh, with RE7, RE2, and 3 Remake, RE4, and 5, and 6, you're, you have full control of the game's camera. And a lot of what defined survival horror was not being able to. So the game's development like, took the ideas of survival horror. It was key to making that game. They were able to like hand place every scare. They were able to hand place every enemy. And you couldn't see them. You could hear them. You know, you walk into a room and you hear shuffling, hold down R1, right? Whereas in other, with newer games in the series, I don't think they're survival horror because that fixed uh, perspective was not an element in the game design. But but this is this is what I've come to. Not so much that we've moved past survival horror uh, in our modern gaming landscape. Uh, people like us, the three of us that are talking right now, we we don't own a market share anymore. Now that gaming has become you know more popular than movies, at least here in America, uh, those of us that grew up with survival horror, I, I said this about uh, SquareSoft because I was huge into the SquareSoft RPGs in the late '90s, early 2000s. Nowadays, they're a shell of their former selves. Mm. And the fact of the matter is, I am not their core customer anymore. And the same thing with Capcom. I mean, look at RE5 is still the best selling. I think uh, uh, other than Monster Hunter, RE5 is the best-selling game in their history as a company. So people like us who were there from the get-go yeah. with 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 Resident Evil, we just we we aren't paying their bills anymore. So when they come to release a game like you were talking about before, uh, it, it we we aren't the audience. And and you were saying like it's hard to please all of us. It's really easy to skip over we survival horror fans. We make up such a small section of the population because even when gaming was a niche little thing in the 90s with, you know, the PS1, we were still a very small section of that niche little thing. And now the genre has grown, but our little section of it, you know, has not grown to scale. So we don't we don't pay their bills. We're not buying tickets to their movies anymore. So when it comes to making a Resident Evil game, I doubt very much that they're going to have us in mind, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of it kind of falls in the same lines of like the RPG genre, you know, 
when you ask somebody like, oh, what's an RPG you play? And they say, oh, well, Skyrim. And you're like, mm, mm-hmm. is it, you know, it, it's RPG ish, but you know, you, you got people, you know, like, you know, um, Elder Scroll fans that have been around since Daggerfall, you know, where, you know, every, every release of Elder Scrolls has kind of dumbed down the RPG element, like each, yeah. you know, release, like even between like Oblivion and Skyrim. There's a huge difference, in, and each you know, of like, them sell better than the last. So why yeah, would exactly. they, why would they go back to that well of ideas when it's like, hey, we have a winning like formula right here. Why would we add this stuff for like what one percent of our audience? You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and I mean, you know, it's a shame. You know, obviously they got to pay the bills and stuff, but yeah. you know, like I, I, but I think that's maybe a little bit of a fault of fans like us, though. Like, you know, not us specifically, but, you know, the older survival horror fans that, you know, it's just like with everything, you know, there's there's a, you know, schism like, you know, between new age and old age. You know, you look mm-hmm. at classic rock versus modern rock, you know, we're yeah. talking about classic survival horror, which I guess I think we could be a little bit charitable and call, you know, a game like seven, two and three, maybe a modern survival horror. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's still, okay, yeah. Sure. You know, like, you know, well, not, not from the classical sense, but it kind of, you know, it checks off the majority of the boxes. You mm-hmm. know, it's got, you know, it's got a survivor element. You know, it, it, it's got the certain things that we can appreciate in a survival horror game. But, you know, from a traditional sense, and I think maybe that's, you know, well, you know, like I said, some of us older fans aren't as charitable, um, you know, yeah. to the game, you know, game devs and stuff. Like, obviously, <laughs> that you know, they got to pay the bills and stuff. But I think they still throw with some bones, I think. You know, from time to time, we just, you know, we, we get it so in our heads that, oh, it's not, you know, it's not like the original that we, we miss um, the things that they throw to us to, you know, try to yeah. appease us. So I think sometimes we're a little unappreciative. Oh, for sure. It could have been worse with the RE2 remake and RE3 remake. I mean, we know what it could have been because we've seen Resident Evil up to that point. So for sure, you're absolutely right. Uh, they gave us more of a traditional survival horror feel than they could have. And they would have made the same amount of money, if not more, had they have, you know, not taken that route. So you're absolutely right on that. I, I am appreciative in that fact. And that's it. That's a that's a good point, actually. And it's it's something that I'd like to dis- a point I'd like to discuss with you. I've spoken at length on my streams about how good the first res- the first Resident Evil remake was, mm-hmm. and the fact because of the game's existence, it. You don't really need to go back and play Resident Evil 1 1996, aside from the, you know, rose-tinted glasses, oh, this is a fantastic game, because mm-hmm. it does the story and more, you know? Yeah. So, but I don't get that feel when I play 2 and 3 Remake. I still think mm-hmm. there is a, there's a large merit in going back and playing Resident Evil 2 1998, and the same with Resident Evil 3. I mm-hmm. would love to know your thoughts on that. Does the existence of the remakes, super like, go over the top of the old? versions i don't i don't think so i think i'm right there with you and i think there's a good reason for that the resident evil one remake was essentially a one-to-one remake the only differences that were made in that game were additions right whereas re2 and re3 remake we can probably agree it's more uh things taken away from the original than it is things added to the original right like they're not just adding the third person perspective they're taking away our fixed perspective and tank controls and stuff so you're absolutely right on that. I don't think that the the second and third remakes supersede the second and third game because they're they're different games. They're different genres. They're played differently. They have different fans. Uh, I do think that there's overlap for sure. But, you know, one's a survival horror game, one's a horror game. And that's totally cool because I 
absolutely love RE2 Remake and RE3 Remake, but when it comes time to experience a Resident Evil game, it, okay, if I was trying to turn someone onto the series, my concept of the series, I wouldn't point them towards the remakes, probably. I'd say, you know, load up an emulator, grab a you grab your PS3 and download the PS1 copy of, of RE1. And then at the very least, when you start from there and then you play RE2 and 3, there'll be so much more for you to appreciate. Whereas if you're just a, a modern gamer, you just got done with the latest Call of Duty game, right? And you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, let me try out this Resident Evil 2 remake. You will play that game and probably like it and have fun with it. Whereas if you've ever played RE2 remake, you will play that game and appreciate so much of it because of how close they got to that original feel, even how different it is from the original. So just having that ori- that original idea of the game in your head probably makes those games more enjoyable, but you got to have those originals around. They they don't take the place of the originals for sure. Agreed. Now, as far as, you know, talking about the, uh, you know, the original uh, two versus the remake, what are some what are some things that you you found missing in the remake that you kind of wish they would have brought back? You know, like obviously we didn't get the zapping system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of you know minor story changes. I think for the most part, story you know remains largely intact. You know, with some things mm-hmm. missing. But what was something that you would have wanted to see from the original RE2 in the remake that didn't quite make it? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and and I. I I agree Resident Evil 2 Remake would have been better with the zapping system, but the zapping system was never, you know, a huge deal for me. It was an interesting idea. Like it. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided exceptional care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to give children and healthcare heroes a reason to believe this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. It's great for printing on the back of a game box when you're trying to list all the individual and unique aspects of your video game but you know in gameplay it, it played a very small role like what is it three items you know that were affected by the yeah. zapping system so it, it, it wasn't a giant deal for me that it wasn't there it would have been nice but i would say the the giant uh thing that should have been included were the b scenarios because what we have with their b scenarios was a different intro and that's it so i'm not i want to see different environments i want to see uh old environments from a different perspective you know that that's what i liked about the b scenario that entrance uh the intro section of the of an re2 b scenario run is wildly different from the original whereas an re2 remake it's like uh you start in on this side of the precinct so that side you go on the same door it's the same thing you know great you have you have less than two minutes of original content between the a and b scenarios that's what i would have liked to have seen and like you said i think the story was handled really well I mean, the, the, same, the same story beats were covered. They may have been covered in a different way with different scenes and different dialogue. But when you finish the game, the, the whole of the story remains unchanged, which is, I mean, like I said, we could have gotten way worse. They could have went in there with a pen and started making some serious changes. So I think we got off clean with the story because they did a great job. I love the new voice actors. Mm. I, I really like the 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 direction they're taking these remakes where they all seem to be in a, in a a nebulous time period that was the time period when the originals were released and the events line up relatively the same but they're just they're making a more gritty realistic version of it which I know is like a four letter word in gaming like the gritty dark version of stuff I think it, it's popular because it works really well mm. like you know the dark gritty remake of a movie is always really entertaining so I, I think it works. I think they're doing a lot of good stuff with with the story. It's it's not 
a one-for-one recreation of the original story, which I would prefer. But if you're going to change a Resident Evil storyline, they're doing it the best way I think you could. Well, you know, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, but to know, though, I, I don't know how familiar you are with Resident Evil 2 remakes um, production. But, you know, there's a, there's still clips that exist of the uh, fixed camera perspective mm. uh, version of the game. You know, I, I think I think it was a very small build, you know, maybe less than, um, you know, part, you know, subpar 25 percent or so. Um, you know, and that uh, every like every time I see that the footage come up on my timeline, I'm like, oh man, you know, it, it could have been, but honestly, like I I just don't know if it would have worked for the environment they built. You know, there was, and there's also um, a lot of the AI the mechanics system too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It might not have worked in the same framework. Yeah, and you know, and then there's there's also some you know beta footage where it looks like at certain parts it could have been either two player or a lot more like AI involvement. Um, I know that there, there's a whole scene of uh, what looks to be a, a earlier model of Claire following Leon through the RPD, mm. um, you know, and it's never really expressly said that that was, you know, uh, if that was for a second player or maybe some like AI portions where Claire and um, Leon meet up, you know, the, to know like there's that and there's, uh, you know, I think like over 150 assets, uh, that like still exists in game files that were never used. Most of them like don't have skins, but they have names. Uh, mm-hmm. There's like a ton of different keys, you know, but to know that those things exist and be like, man, you know what could have been, but you know, looking back at the same time at like how the game was made and how the final product, the direction they went, you know, I don't actually miss any of the cut con. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's, it's about the same that I said, with the RE3 remake, it, those things could have been added. And I think you make a good point. Uh, those things are positives in the original, but you're not going to be able to transfer that into a third person over the shoulder. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the, like you were saying with the AI and and with like combat and stuff, that fixed perspective may not have worked at all. I feel like it would have been at the very least a nice unlockable, even if it was damn near unplayable. You know, like at the very yeah. least they could have thrown us a bone, but it's not necessarily uh, universal that the elements that worked in the PS1 version could have just been taken one for one and thrown into a totally different framework. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we probably run the risk of it not working well a, a lot more likely than it does work. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's something, you know, we, we've seen throughout the history of video games, you know, where every time, you know, uh, you know, a new console would come out, especially in the older days, you know, um, where they would try to keep the same formula going you know, between different console generations. And it's like, at some point it's like, you know, it doesn't work anymore. You know, yeah. you know, especially like when you got towards like the N64 coming out where, uh, you know, a lot of like the, you know, the mega, you know, or especially with like Mega Man, for example, where they were still trying to do stuff that, you know, you had, a, you know, a four button controller trying to translate over. And then I think, you know, in some aspects, they kind of like over, overdid it. Um, making the you know the jump to 3D, but I think there's a happy medium where you know just because you know the the, ch- the change in the technology available, you have to you know progress forward a little bit, um, you know without overdoing it. And I think that's you know what I can say that I think the RE2 and 3 remakes did was you know like yeah it'd been nice to see you know things here and there, but you know a lot of the things and this was just me personally like RE3 remake I didn't miss. Like, you know, you know, I get like, it didn't have a stats welcome for me. It really didn't have a stats welcome. Yeah. You know, like, like everybody, you know, a lot of big complaint was, you know, like the gravedigger's gone, you know, or yeah. you can go to the park and stuff. And it's like, 
I, I get like, you know, or the clock tower, for example, like, I get like all these are like real iconic locations, but the game wasn't long enough for me to miss those. Like, and I have a real exactly. short attention span, so I greatly enjoyed the fact that I felt RE3 was more streamlined than the original. Mm-hmm. Um, which, in, in reality, and that's kind of like just a mind, uh, uh, like a mental thing for us, because um, you know, like even by speedrun records, um, the RE3 remake is a longer game. You yeah. know, everybody says, "Oh, it, it's too short. It's too short." And it's like, well, the original game was short, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the original games, uh, I think the speedrun records for it's like forty-five minutes. Or forty-two, or I don't know. It, it, you know, it's almost fifty minutes, and then the uh, the remake. By the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's something I'll never be able to do. So I mean, it's amazing. But the RE three remakes, I think, like eight or nine minutes longer is the fastest. You know, I mean, sure, you know, over the next year, so that'll probably get down shorter. But yeah, great. Um, and and on actually on that point, it is it is a, is a, it is an argument that oh, Resident Evil three is such a short game. But I suppose if it was exactly like Resident Evil 2 and it had the same campaign four times, that automatically makes it a longer game. I mean, for me, the second scenario in Resident Evil Remake is at best an arranged mode, similar to yeah. Director's Cut. That's, mm-hmm. that's, and I would always, always tell everybody that's played Resident Evil 2 Remake, enjoy it. Go back and play Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, and then check that scenario B out because that's how it's meant to be done. It's for meant sure. to be. As you said, different location, different items in different locations. You're seeing stuff before, like with the helicopter crash. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, Oh my God, this is absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, there is clear, obviously canon issues because some of the stuff you're doing twice, you're like, mm-hmm. hang on a minute, but I'm turning the valve handle, but we did that in scenario away. But I mean, you, you have to forgive some of this, of course. Yeah. I, um, I think um, with the B scenarios, this is how I always interpreted it. And I never knew that there was another interpretation out there because, you know, you get so caught up in your own idea of things. But with, with me, the RE2 A and B scenarios were always, if you pick one character, like you're negating whatever that other character did. You're playing through the same sequence of things, but it's not like you're playing after Claire went through the... Uh, RPD if you choose Leon. If you pick Leon, Claire never went through the RPD. And now Claire only can do scenario B stuff. You know what I mean? I, I felt like you're just choosing one. Like It's like a, if you see it, have timelines, you pick one of them, it X's out the last one. Yeah, I totally agree though. Uh, with RE3, the pacing would not have been... It would have been very hard for a developer to achieve the same just mwah, magnifique pace that RE3... This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. That's childrensnational.org slash holiday remake had if they had the content that was cut from the original would it have been a good game still i think so probably uh to be honest with you though the uh the park section of re3 remake was never that impactful to me the gravedigger boss like i said i'm a fan of zombies and mostly only zombies so that didn't do much to me and also i i knife only gravedigger boss and i am not what you would call a world-class gamer you know so he wasn't so crazy a part of that game that him not being there even affected me at all and when people brought that up i was like wait you guys like the grave digger he was just 
Like, who cares about annoying as hell? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really care about him, especially that one section when you go underground. Nobody got through their first attempt at that section without dying from the gravedigger. You know, when you had to press the buttons next to the holes he would come out of, you know? So I don't know if I would have liked to have experienced that initial gravedigger sequence uh, with a third person camera and stuff. <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny too, you know, because a, a lot of a lot of you know feedback I saw, you know, personally online was, you know, well, you know, Carlos should have got his own scenario, you know, which you know obviously you know wasn't you know in the original either, but you know I got to thinking about a lot of that, and it's like, yeah, you know, like it, I think it would have been cool to have a, a, a like a full bore Carlos campaign uh, next to Jill's. I just think the the complaints would have been so much worse, like. It's one of those things like everybody talks like, oh, yeah, I really want a Carlos campaign mm-hmm. until they, we would have got a Carlos campaign. Like, I think the, you know, because and, and that's the thing, too, is like everybody talks about, you know, like going back to the lore of the original. Like, oh, they cut Gravedigger. They cut the clock tower. They cut this. Imagine all the stuff that they would have had to add for Carlos's campaign. And, you know, like if there's, you know, like I said, I think it would have kind of drove the purists more mad. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, you know, even, even, even people like us, like, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. I would have loved to see it. And I, I, I could care less with the remakes, what direction they go in. Cause I like seeing a new perspective on the story. Cause again, like I can always go play, you know, if I want to see the original two yeah. or three, yeah. I'll just go back and play them. You know, a remake doesn't affect the value of the originals for me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would have been cool to see, but I, like I said, I, I really think, you know, them adding like a, a, a Carlos scenario or some of the other things they could have done to make the game, you know, longer, um, I think would have actually went over worse with the community than the mm-hmm. community realizes. So let me ask you guys this question. Cause I, I would like to get someone else's input on this. Cause this is what I found so frustrating about the jump from RE2 remake to RE3 remake during RE2 remakes, uh, development cycle. I got flooded with comments because I made an, an initial video just saying, Here's why uh, I think the RE2 remake won't be as faithful. And it was based on, this was based on the trailers and a little bit of gameplay. We knew it was going to be over the shoulder like RE4. And I just, you know, my thing was, well, that's not going to be like the original. And I'm, I'm one of these people who thinks if you're going to remake a game, I don't, I, I don't follow the idea that it has to be so different from the original. It, like if I was going to remake your car and then I gave you a bicycle, I mean, like, yeah, it's remade now. So no, I'd like, I, I, I wanted you to remake my car in a way that was slightly different from how my car existed before. That, that's how I feel with video game remakes. But I do agree with you. It is super interesting seeing a different perspective on it, uh, experiencing similar uh, scenarios from a different view. I like that concept of it. But I got hit constantly with people saying, why do you expect it to be the same? It's bullshit. And then RE3 remake comes out and everybody's going, it's not the same. It's bullshit. And I think to myself, I welcome to my side of the fucking argument. I've been saying this for years. And now everybody, it, you just can't please some people. And I think that there are people who wanted to dislike one aspect or another of these remakes. And those people said, uh, like, okay, okay. So they were mad at me because I expected it to be similar. And then RE3 remake comes out and they are also mad because it's not similar to the original release. And you have to start thinking a lot of these arguments maybe a little disingenuous. They just want to shit on a game. It seems like. Well, I ju- yeah, I, and I definitely agree with that. And which is why I've always classed the original Resident Evil remake as original Resident Evil remake. What weird yeah. oxymorons things to say. And um, <laughs> the first Resident Evil remake has been the absolute best because it took a game. It, 
they it's like almost that the, the the developers they sat down and they went right what was really good about resident evil how did that make us feel okay what could we have done better right the voice acting was absolute let's be honest let's be frank with ourselves mm-hmm. <laughs> voice acting was fucking shit but the only reason why it was shit is because obviously it appealed to a japanese audience you know mm-hmm. so everything had to be over pronouncing that that sort of thing okay what else uh, we could probably expand on the mansion and which is why it's 70 percent different but it still retained what was good about the original, which yep. was, you know, over the sh- uh, sorry, not over the shoulder, um, fixed camera angles. You don't know what's around the next corner, but it just brought better graphics to it. And it, it just, it actually took itself seriously. I think it just yeah. took itself seriously, Absolutely. which is why it works. And I, I definitely agree with your point that a remake, uh, a remake in our eyes, uh, we want to feel like how we felt when we played the first one, mm-hmm. uh, the original version, which mm-hmm. is why, again, I brought up the question about, Playing the re playing the first remake, it complete. I don't need to go back and play the old one because everything I need and more is in this game. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and that's why they are bad remakes, in my opinion. The same way the Final Fantasy VII remake, you know, it wasn't a remake, and all of a sudden, it 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 was the things people that are familiar with thrown into a cash grab, in my opinion. And RE2 and 3, as much as I love them, and I've said that a million times so far, I love those games. They're bad remakes, period, the end. Especially when you compare them to a good remake, like RE1 Remake, which was the same exact game represented in a modern light. They had added to it, and just like you said, it was Shinji Mikami literally took with RE1 Remake everything he wanted to implement but wasn't able to because of budget or technological restraints into the GameCube Remake. And it worked perfectly because it was only additions, no subtractions. Whereas the RE3 and RE2 remakes are mostly subtractions. When you really they're reimaginings, around. they're reimaginings yeah. at best. They're not remakes. Let's be honest. And, and there's a place for those things for sure. Yeah. You know, because that I I love them, so they obviously work. But uh, I would have preferred a remake. I, I could only just imagine the graphics of RE Engine with the approach of RE1 remake. Oh. A, a perfect world, honestly. <laughs> you know, and, and that's and that's something I've always you know wondered about. Like, I'm sure. Like, are you familiar with the um, Resident Evil Two Rebirth that uh, Invader Studios, uh, the creators yes. of Daymare, were working on? Super nice guys, too. Invader Studios. Oh yeah, yeah, like they're, yeah. They're like you know real cool people. But you know, like I, I played uh, you know a really rough alpha of uh, Rebirth. And the game starts off, you know, exactly like Resident Evil Two, you know, like two, and they, I, I feel like that was the going to be the end result of Rebirth was a shot for shot remake of the original, which I think is why Capcom um, went a little bit harder against them. Like, you know, obviously, you know, they, they were able to, you know, help them out. You know, or, you know, they invited them to Japan. They got to do some cool stuff with the, the actual Resident Evil Two remake. But I almost, you know, have always kind of wondered if. Capcom went harder on them for making a fan game than other people just because they're like, if fans get a shot for shot remake of Resident Evil 2 as a fan free game, you know, because obviously Invader couldn't sell the game, you know, because mm-hmm. they didn't own the IP. It's like, if there was exactly what I wanted in the game being put out, like for free, like, why would I buy? <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah, it like, would cast their product in a negative light by comparison for sure. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, you know, I would have loved to have seen a fully fleshed out version of Rebirth. Um, But at the same time, you know, I think it would, you know, again, like as much as I. 
History shows America rises to every challenge it faces. Every challenge makes us stronger. We're Americans. We find a way. At Kaufman Funeral Home, we give thanks to God for living in the greatest nation on earth. Take comfort in knowing when you need us, we'll be here for you. We'll put your family's needs first. Kaufman Funeral Home and Crematory. Frontier Drive in Stanton. Online at KaufmanFuneralHome.net. I'd love to know what could have been. I, I think honestly, like it was probably for the best that it got shut down. Yeah. You know. Yeah. In all fairness, like I said, they're nice guys. And I, when I covered uh daymare in 1998, they took that criticism better than anyone I've ever seen. They, they tweeted and they were just like, listen, thank you for reviewing the game. We listened to what you said and we're going to work on that stuff, which is something I've never heard from a developer before because I was pretty hard on it. Uh, I think based on what I've seen from Damer in 1998, they couldn't have technically rose to the challenge of the full RE2 remake. They probably would have just faltered at some point. They, they didn't have a, a mastery of the Unreal Engine, uh, to be honest. Unreal Engine is... Oh God, I can't stand that engine. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard enough to work with on its own for professionals. And that was a small indie studio. So I'm not putting it on them like, oh, they're so bad at their jobs. It, they were t- they were biting off a lot more than they could chew, I think. And oh, absolutely. I think that it was a really cool concept. Oh, it's a, it's a Resident Evil 2 remake. Just saying those words is a cool idea. Uh, the reality mm-hmm. of it, like you said, probably would not have worked out very well. So what was yeah. your what was your thoughts on Daymare then? Now, now, now you said you played it. What was your like, how did you feel playing it? Because I've I've played it, and because you know we we were familiar with the backstory, we wanted to support a small. Italian indie developer who who had the same interests as us and uh, quite clearly has its flaws. But what did you think? Uh, I enjoyed it. I think that it was, I, I think they probably, it was a net negative for them to have so much PR from the RE2 remake because expectations were pretty high and it looks like they were trying to implement a very uh, complicated set of instructions and they may not have had the skill to do that. A lot of stuff in that game just feels broken. Uh, what I noticed was the connective tissue. Like a lot of the ideas were great. Like the animations were relatively fluid, but uh, transitioning from one animation to another, there wasn't a lot of frames in between where there was a smooth transition. It was just like, okay, I'm standing. Ah, oh, now I'm experiencing pain or something. Uh, there was a lot of little things like that. But the big picture kind of is a sum of all those little things. And while I did enjoy it, it was in spite of a pretty large list of flaws uh, instead of because of all the pros. Like I really like the atmosphere. Um, you know, there was an, a reuse of some assets. Like I didn't like the way some 3d models look like that one uh, enemy character. that was just like a naked tyrant looking zombie with like the mm. exposed teeth and stuff. It just, it didn't move and look right to me, but some of the zombies looked awesome. Like you're walking through the streets and the fog was settling. It kind of like hip level and there's there's zombies that are in full biohazard uniforms and some of them are wearing like dad clothes and stuff like my favorite parts of the game honestly it was uh the military base towards the very end and the city streets uh which is like the second major area of the game those were pulled off well and i thought the puzzles were really good i had to run around and look at things in the environment to solve the puzzles and i was like i haven't had to do that since you know silent hill 3 they it's were been brutal. a long time. Uh, oh, they were. I remember oh. I got to the first portrait puzzle, like the real mm-hmm. pu- the first real puzzle for me, and I was like, yeah. 
I won't fucking do it now. <laughs> yeah, I had to actually sit down and like I because I was playing it uh, pre-release, there were no guides or anything. So even though I wanted to play it without a guide, I couldn't even if I wanted to look up a solution and a fountain puzzle in that one city section. Mm. Uh, uh, that took me somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 minutes to finish, like to actually figure out and solve. I probably was doing it wrong. Like there was one little thing I was missing. That that took me a long time, so I appreciated the hell out of that. But I think combat wasn't very smooth in the way it flowed, and it, it felt like it repeated a lot of RE4's mistakes, where it's very formulaic. I found that one shot to the knee uh, staggered him. One melee hit put him on the ground. One shotgun shell blew the head off. I was doing that the entire game, and it was not their fault, but it's you know the easiest strategy or the most effective strategy I'm going to use the most. I would have liked to have seen. I don't. I, I don't know. Combat could have worked better for me, but the reload system. Um, I liked it actually. It I, I like. I, I love I, the, I like the fact that you had to go into a fight knowing you were going to get into the fight beforehand. It felt very Resident Evil uh, for like making your quick heal items. Some of them you can use from the menu. Some of them you can use from hotkeys. You have to prepare that stuff ahead of time, and you have to load a magazine ahead of time. I thought that was pretty cool. So if you're in the middle of a fight, you can drop the mag real quick and keep fighting and then pick it up afterwards. But some people didn't like that. And I can understand why that's not when you're looking to shoot a zombie, you're not trying to do a lot of prep work, you know? Agreed. And I feel like with the reload, particularly with particular regard to the reload system, all awesome fucking way of spinning everything on its head. And you can, you know, you can do a quick reload or you can take the time, have the risk of, yeah. of, of cha- that was really cool. I just felt like the UI, it, it hindered you b- because it was just really poorly designed. I feel like it was a yeah. really good idea on paper. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, man, we could have a, a cool reloading system where you have to make the choice. And it totally does work. But the second that UI gets involved and you mm-hmm. have to keep reloading and, and, and stop reloading, it's just, it just I, I really struggle with it, to be honest. Especially on PC where you can clearly tell that that UI was made for a D-pad and not a mouse cursor. Because I'm trying to click on items and shit, nothing's happening. But in their defense, uh, RE7 and RE2 Remake have those same issues. So it's not like it's uh, specific to just them. Yeah, I, you know, I, I appreciate and love Daymare for what it is. But I, I definitely feel like um, there was a lot of things that either sounded really cool on paper that just would not have worked with the the level of technical skill that anybody at the studio had. Yeah. Or, you know, it just, it didn't, you know, it just weren't uh, the right concepts for the game. You know, I, I I really like the reload system. I think it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't feel like it, it, like it was a needed thing. Mm. Like, I I don't think like it, it, it fit the aesthetic of the game itself. Like other than the fact, you know, like you're, you know, a hunk looking, figure you know that's got some cool military moves and stuff it was just it's one of those things like i feel like they tried packing too much into the game when it comes to like the ui or things you could do that you know like were were not necessary but they were trying to you know like everybody knew at that point that invader had you know like you know the whole history between them and capcom at that point so i I felt like they were trying to show off all these bells and whistles yeah um that they actually didn't really know a whole lot about but wanted to show off just to like you said earlier to live up to that expectation Mm -hmm. um and it could have been you know because now like we see that they're they're backpedaling a lot of the uh the things and new updates like the uh i think the latest update for the game like skips the puzzles which i i personally i love i love yeah um 
I love seeing the puzzles come back, but at the same time, like their puzzles were ridiculously hard. They were really hard. <laughs> you know, like, I enjoyed, but you know what? I've always been a fan of including uh, methods for people who don't like certain gameplay aspects to not have to go through that. Like, I know everybody was mad about a Dark Souls, you know, easy mode years and years ago. I feel like if you don't affect the base game, uh, no one is hurt by including a, a check box that says no puzzles or easy mode or whatever. You know, if if you just enjoy the like, for example, sometimes I'll go through RE2 remake when I just want to experience the atmosphere of the RP, RPD. I'll have a little cheat sheet from Reddit open, a little like infographic with all the puzzle uh, solutions. I'll just play through the game and just look over at that just because I, I enjoy more moving around the precinct than I do. History shows America rises to every challenge it faces. Every challenge makes us stronger. We're Americans. We find a way. At Kaufman Funeral Home, we give thanks to God for living in the greatest nation on earth. Take comfort in knowing when you need us, we'll be here for you. We'll put your family's needs first. Kaufman Funeral Home and Crematory. Frontier Drive in Stanton. Online at KaufmanFuneralHome.net. solving those puzzles over and over again. Remember each combination. Is it CAP or, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, so I, I totally get that. I think they're doing the right thing by including that. And I think uh, I, I, I really love that they're still supporting the game this long after release, which is something that even Capcom doesn't do. Yeah, it's so impressive. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty cool. It's laudable for sure. But I think uh, three game releases from now and double the size of the studio, Daymare 1998 would work really well. Oh yeah, no, I'm definitely looking to you know maybe Daymare 2000 or you know whatever the new naming motif is. I think I think that they you know like you said like with supporting this game for so long after it's came out, you know like you said that they've you know kind of made an easier mode that takes out the reload system, takes out the puzzle system, you know for people to just play the game and you know understand you know what's going on the mechanics, how it feels, and the story. You know, seeing like how willing they are to adapt and grow uh, makes me really excited to see what invaders, you know, future looks like. And Absolutely. I mean, and two, you know, like for an indie game, you know, that I, I don't know their budget, you know, um, or anything, but just some of the things that they've been able to accomplish as a studio, like I don't know many indie games, you know, that not only get, you know, greenlit on steam also, you know, and go like to, you know, the PlayStation store or Xbox store um, actually get a physical release. Yeah, like, you know, I, I, you know, it's very rare that you see an indie game sitting on the shelf at a game, or you know, have the ability to pre-order at a GameStop. Yeah, um, you know what? The last time that I can really remember that happening, which blew me away, was Alien Hominid on the GameCube. I don't know if you guys remember that. It used to be a Flash game on like, wow, you know, like Newgrounds or something, <laughs> <laughs> and it got a physical release on GameCube, and that blew me away. That's that's how I felt about Daymare 1998 getting. Yeah. It, yeah, and then you know, like how they, you know, then they uh, announced the the black edition, you know, that came in. I think it comes a steel case, couple of pins, little collectible cards, and you know, at first it was going to be an EU exclusive, and you're like, hey, you know, if you don't live in the EU, you won't be able to get the collector's edition. Um, and then for them to be able to work out a deal to roll that out to the US, yeah, and I think Australia, Canada, and a, a few other countries as well. Yeah, proper success story. Yeah, yeah, you know, like that's incredible. Now they've got merch coming out, you know. Now they're, uh, you know, and they're still, you know, um, providing updates to the game. Like they've got like their own kind of like uh, mercenaries esque mode. 
um, you know, a couple of other things, but the, you know, they're constantly updating, constantly fixing bugs. You know, it, I, 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 it kind of would have been nice. Maybe if they would have waited a little bit, maybe ironed out some of these things pre-release. Um, but I don't think they would have got some of the opportunities that they had, had they waited that long. I think, you know, the yeah. success and failure or, you know, of, um, the two and three remakes, I think kind of, you know, bolstered them enough to where, you know, it's like, Hey, if we don't, if we don't jump the gun now, it's never going to happen. I think it worked in their favor. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I, I but seeing the, their uh, reaction to criticism, um, their willingness to you know support their product. I'm really excited to see where Invaders' fu- uh, future lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of which, right now they're up for uh, uh, two nominations at the Italian Video Game Awards. Um, for you know, uh, uh, I think it, I think the Italian Game Awards are later this month. Uh, but they're up for uh, best debut game from a studio and best overall Italian game. You know, and and, and you know it. Obviously, you know, them being an Italian studio, like uh, the Italian Video Game Awards, you know, right on their home turf. So, I, you know, I'm excited. You know, they're going against only other Italian developers, which I, I don't think there's a huge pool of. I can't think of any now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just get my extremely long list of Italian developers I have to hand. Yeah, you know, so I, I mean, I mean, they're dealing with a small pool, but um, the expo that the Italian Video Game Awards is uh, going on at is one of like the largest. Uh, Business to business, you know, uh, video game expos. I think uh, one of the biggest in Europe, the biggest in Italy, at least. So, you know, I, I think that I think they'll pull off. And I, you know, like I said, I'm I'm excited to see where their uh, where their future lies. Yep, same here. And as we start to as we start to wind this podcast down, I would love, and based on everything we've spoken about today, we talk about what could be done better, what what what's done bad, what's done good. What are your expectations for Resident Evil 8? And how, if you, if they gave you the reins, you, Jared, from Avalanche Reviews, if they gave you the reins to Resident Evil 8, they said, they, they just said, well, the director's gone. We've kicked him out the door. We need you to fly over right now and make this happen for us. <laughs> You've got to pull us out of the shit now, Jared. Um, what would you, what would you be doing? And uh, hmm. yeah. That is a very good question. I think uh, it probably goes without saying that I would be the guy at the office pushing for uh, fixed camera angles in a modern game. Uh, that being said, and this is this was, was my expectation from the get-go when I heard that RE8 was even a possibility, I just assumed it was a given with how well uh, RE2 and 3 did and how well they reviewed. I mean, they were kind of fan favorites. Uh, I figured, okay, for the mainline series, let's take that a control scheme, that camera perspective. It seems odd to me that returning to first person after RE7, I think what made RE7 so influential and so such a PR uh, darling is because it was such a departure from the, the established RE norm, which was at the time RE4. You know, RE4 set the standard for controls, for, for mechanics, for the series up until RE7. So it seemed weird to me that they were like, let's go with that one-off thing that we did. It'd be like if they made an, I guess they did, they made an entire Gun Survivor line. But uh, to, to me, RE7 always felt like a spinoff uh, because it was such a huge departure from the rest of the games. The same way RE4 was a huge departure. I guess they're trying to repeat the success of RE4. I think that's probably a bad idea. I feel like the over-the-shoulder controls work so well in RE2 and RE3, especially in RE3. It was such a good... Uh, 
refinement of just the little aspects of engaging in combat with zombies. I, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but enemy HP didn't vary as much in RE3. It was it was more satisfying getting into a, a you know a fight with a zombie because you were more you were easily able to down a zombie. I think that they. I think their grab range might have been increased because I took a lot of damage in RE3 versus RE2 yeah. remake. But to me, combat was just just magnitudes uh, more satisfying in RE3 remake. And I just, if if I had to please modern RE fans and people like me, old survival horror heads, I would probably make RE8, you know, an over-the-shoulder inspired by RE2 and RE3 remake style game. Uh, I like what they're doing with the story. I felt like Ethan was kind of a non-character in Seven, but he had enough like appeal. I wanted to know who he was and what he was doing, and you know what's happening afterwards. What happened to Mia? You know, I'm interested in the general mystery of of Ethan as a character, not so much because he was such a good character in Seven, because he had like what seven, eight lines of dialogue in that game maximum, uh, which is, I, I guess maybe is is why it's so appealing. I want to know more about him. I like the idea of learning more about Chris. I think they're going in the right direction with that. Me personally, if I had rain, if I had control over everything, it'd be all zombies all day. I wouldn't go with the vampire werewolf thing. Uh, but I am interested to see how that plays out because, like I said, I, I didn't think RE7 was a Resident Evil game until I played it. So I guess we'll wait and see. But that, that's the big thing I would do is, is I would take it from the first person and put it more in that third person over the shoulder type of deal. And just on that point of uh, Chris Red. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided exceptional care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to give children and healthcare heroes a reason to believe this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. What do you think is actually going on there? I in think... Your, in your humble opinion. I feel like they're, they're, pull, they're just... You know, it's one of those situations where they show you in the trailer a misunderstanding. I, I, two scenes later, we're going to find out that Chris is actually working towards the same goal as Ethan. Mm. It was just that uh, there's an informant. Oh, Chris killed the informant. Why did he kill that guy? It turns out that dude was a double A. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, yeah. it was. It's, I don't think Chris is going to be a bad guy. I don't think they're taking it in that direction. I think that that's why they put that scene in the trailer is to have people think that that's the direction they're taking, but that seems a little too on the nose. You know what I mean? I get you. I get you. I mean, my first thought was a hallucination. Like, hmm. Ethan's not seeing it for how it is. Yeah, which is interesting, you know, because, you know, we kind of we knew what to expect in the trailer. Uh, I know you said, uh, Jared, that you stay away from uh, leaks and rumors, but we've had the uh, both uh, unfortunate mispleasure of uh, getting a lot of stuff leaked to us early, uh, just mm -hmm. you know, for our uh, you know presence in the journalistic side of the community, um, and you know, I, I've kind of wondered, you know, like we heard reports, um, you know, from one of the play tests that happened uh, earlier in the year and last year that uh, you know the the Chris scene was coming, um, but interestingly, we heard it two different ways. We heard that it, uh, and actually, a, a, a Game Z, uh, big uh, or German YouTuber. Um, I think, you know, works as like an offshoot of IGN Germany, um, actually did like a whole like scene in one of his videos covering Resident Evil 8 rumors where he dressed up as uh, Chris Redfield and shot Ethan, um, which was what we originally heard uh, is the, from what we heard that uh, the play test that took place in 2019, I think in September, 
um, the actual storyline or story, you know, like trailer that they saw during the the beta test was um, Chris shooting Ethan. Mm-hmm. I think it was shown from my uh, Mia's perspective. Um, and then later on in the second play test, they said that, you know, it was Chris shooting Mia. And then other people still reported that, you know, Chris shoots Ethan. So, you know, it, it's like a, a lot of cool things. I think we can go from there. And I think it kind of adds into the whole, you know, maybe it's misunderstanding. Like, you know, who knows, like maybe, uh, you know, the Mia, that, you know, that escaped, you know, from Resident Evil 7 this whole time has been, you know, still one of the, you know, like, you know, um, uh, puppets of Evelyn, you know, somehow like, I know we saw Evelyn die, but maybe, uh, you know, there's some element where, you know, she, oh, it turns out she's, you know, some weird e-virus clone this whole time. And the sure, real yeah. me is, you know, so, you know, especially like knowing that there's been two different scenarios with uh, both of the, uh, the Winters uh, family being killed. So, yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I, I really interested to see how it all ends up playing. Out. Yeah. The mystery is cool. I just, I, I would love to see what they're doing with Chris. Where, like, what has he been doing? Where he's, where's he at? There's a lot about the story I'm interested in. Uh, the more supernatural aspects of it. I've just, I've never gotten in, even with the RE4, uh, the 3.5, the hook man build. Uh, I, I remember following very closely around the same time as the RE1 remake, the original RE4 trailers where like, you know, it was like possession and stuff. Like I remember those trailers vividly because you used to have to go to capcom.com and watch their little in, uh, embedded quick time player, you know, back in the day. Uh, before RE1 Remake came out, I used to go to that site every single day to watch the trailer for RE1 Remake, and I would always see the RE4, the Hookman uh, trailer. I've just never gotten into the supernatural stuff. Mm. Uh, like you said, they can't explain it with a virus because they explain everything else with a virus that is essentially supernatural stuff. So I'm interested to see how they explain that stuff. And I have a bias against it as it is so far, but I'm coming in hoping that it's that RE7 situation that just surprises the shit out of me. Yeah, and, and that's one thing you know. I will say, like, I I I would have loved to seen a Hookman demo, but I'm uh, you know like come to life. But I'm actually kind of glad that that just ended up just becoming Devil May Cry as a series. You know, because I lo- I love Devil May Cry as a, as a you know series as well. Sure. Um, you know, because I I think you know at the end of the day, I don't think that the goal with three point five was to explain it all the way with a virus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the same way they did in seven because seven. They set it up, and I think that was kind of the, you know, like kind of the downfall of a lot of the initial thoughts from the community of Seven was, you know, you had the Evil Within come out, uh, you know, PT, uh, you know, everybody had seen the PT demo, and that, you know, that's just what it became. Everybody's, oh, well, this is just, you know, it's first person horror, you know, it's an amnesia knockoff, it's a PT knockoff, you know, mm-hmm. it had, it kind of had all those negative defact, you know, tr- detractors going against it, and plus. You know, er, very early on when, you know, especially when the, uh, the one or their, the demo release for it, where, you know, if you play the demo just the right way, you can see like the ghost girl, mm-hmm. you know, all throughout the, uh, the house and stuff. Like they, they made it, they set it up like it was going to go straight supernatural, like 3.5. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you had the twist of like, oh, the e virus, you know, creature that, you know, ended up being a little girl, um, can just make hallucin, you know, people hallucinate and she can, you know, control their mind. Very similar to how they ended up doing with, um, Sadler in Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Um, which I thought was, you know, kind of a cool thing. You know, Resident Evil 4 started off with like, a, you know, three, 3.5 started off from a paranormal element, um, which they kind of retained, but explained it away with, you know, one powerful guy with the virus. Yeah. Um, which it actually fit, you know, again, fit in seven. 
Seven looked like it was starting off really paranormal, and then it ended up just being a powerful person with a virus. Yeah, yeah. You know, which, which is interesting. I I find that I, I disagree with a lot of the people who reviewed RE Seven at first because uh, you know when you look at reviews for RE Seven, the sentiment is always, well, it starts out as this really cool side story that has nothing to do with Resident Evil, but then towards the end, it gets really bad because they start tying into like the virus and elements, it feels like a more Resident Evil game. I thought that was the best part of the game was when it starts tying into the series overall. I liked the fact that it was like this almost unrelated side story for a while, but I really liked that they roped me back in towards the end. Okay, now there's viruses. Government agencies are involved. Like, holy shit, this is what I've been looking for. It's cool being lost in a Louisiana estate at some point, but I, I like the the connections to the game. Uh, in the latter half where I think everybody hates the latter half, like the boat section, essentially. Mm, yeah, I'm not yeah. But yeah, yeah I'm well, but, but, but what I loved about the game too, is like you said, like it starts off like almost like a complete spinoff, mm-hmm. but the longer you play the game, the more you realize it actually is. You know, I, it, I, I feel like it is very deserving of a mainline title. Yeah. Uh, yeah more sure. Once you get to the end of it. I, yeah. And I think they did a great job of doing that too, because yeah. I was I was totally down with the side story thing. I was like, yeah, okay, we're good. I'm I'm moving along. We have almost no connection aside from a few newspaper clippings of the Raccoon City incident, which I thought was cool, but they felt more like nods instead of actual story content. And then you get to the section the second half of the game and you're like, "Oh, we're playing a Resident Evil game now." Okay, this is cool. I would have been good either way. They could have been went either way with that not included that at all and I've been like, "Okay, that was a fun game." But the inclusion of it, it's like, "Oh, thank God, we're dealing with Resident Evil stuff again." Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just like the house in general, like the whole Baker estate, like learning that, uh, you know, and I mean, it's more of a, a fan nod than anything, but learning that George Trevor, um, you know, the architect of the Spencer Mansion from Resident Evil 1 is also the person who built the Baker estate. Yeah. You know, and, it, and when you finally learn that in the game, like it's one of those things, like it makes so much sense. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you know, because, you know, going into it from the fact that, like, it, it seems completely random and off-put from any other Resident Evil game, you're like, well, how did the how the hell did I wind up in another mansion, mm-hmm. you know, with all this crazy shit, you know, like, to get around the mansion? Then you look at it, and you're like, oh, okay, George Trevor made it. That explains it, you know. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, even, like, and, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I think it feel, it 7 feels like a soft reboot of the series going back to Resident Evil 1 in a lot of aspects. Sure. Uh, you know, just because, like, you know, obviously you can't backtrack. I, I, I don't feel like you can backtrack to certain areas to the quite the extent that um, in seven as you could in the first game. Yeah. Um, but you know, like, you still had the same kind of layout. You had a main mansion. You know, you had, um, you know, you had the the guard house or like the smaller, you know, guest house off of uh, that. You know, it kind of came to in seven. You still mm-hmm. had kind of like an underground section. Still had kind of a lab section, like. Seven, you know, for better or worse, is honestly a soft reboot of the first game. Or at the very least, an homage of, of the same blueprints, for sure. Yeah, you're oh, absolutely. absolutely. I didn't even put that together until you mentioned that. But that's that's totally true. As far as structure goes, it mirrors the first one. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah, which, I mean, <laughs> which makes sense why I liked it so much. Yeah. Damn. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, yeah, like, you know, it hits all the element. Big, spooky... You know, big spooky house in, you know, the middle of nowhere. All, you know, you got to travel around. And even kind of like the enemy layout, um, I felt was definitely very reminiscent of the first. Like, I know Seven got dinged a lot for not having a wide enemy variety, which I I totally agree. You know, there's only 
three or four different types of molded. You know, I definitely would have liked to have seen a they little really creepy looking to me. I would have liked yeah. to have seen more, but they were effective. Oh yeah. But it, but it still falls in that same RE1 um, pattern where, you know, like you're only fighting like one or two at a time tops. Yeah. yeah you know, there's not, you know, there's not many situations in resident evil one where you face more than two enemies at a time. And, Realistic. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of times, two enemies is a huge max. Like you know, usually it's one on one scenario. Yeah, there's like that one room in the very uh, in the in the the lab area where, you, oh, Christ, I forget that. There's like seven zombies in that room. I, I fuck. I think that's the room where you have to turn on the light, and then you can see the uh, different uh, Latin characters on the painting for Ada and John or whatever. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. No, no, there's like seven zombies in that room but that is the only room that comes to mind it's mostly hallways with maybe mm-hmm. two zombies in them yeah exactly and i mean that's a lot of how resident evil you know seven is until i mean you know don't don't get me wrong like later on like the boat scene and onwards it kind of they start packing in a few more enemies mm-hmm. uh but i mean most of your rooms like the the they have the aesthetic to look like they're gonna have something creepy happen in them and then nothing ends up happening or you know, it'll be one molded yeah. jump out, which is very reminiscent of Resident Evil One, where you had a room where you're like, okay, some some crazy shit's definitely about to happen, mm-hmm. and you're on edge the whole time. And the, you know, and that's what I, I love about those environments is it keeps you on edge the whole time. Like you're like, okay, something's going to happen, and then it doesn't, and yeah. then like you kind of let your guard down for the next and room. Then like, it does. <laughs> yeah, you know, like exactly. um, especially like the. Um, the uh, like in the first one, the um, the fa- the the statue, you know, where you get the first key and the uh, you know, you push the you know, step stool up to the um, the the pit, you know, to pick the key out of the picture. Like, you know, it's like, okay, this room's fine, and you go and there's a little back closet uh, that has a zombie laying on the ground, and you're like, oh, okay, like, no big deal. And then like it jumps up, and then it's like, oh, now it's a problem, you know. Um, uh, mm-hmm. so I, and I think I think seven actually captured a lot of that where it was like. Yeah, you know, you, you play it for so long that you get complacent because you're like, okay, it just looks creepy. Like nothing creepy is actually about to happen, and then you know, and then when, like you know, when the molded are able to come out from the basement, because for for a portion of the intro of the game, the molded are only something that shows up in the basement, and then mm-hmm. they start. You're used to that, and then I remembered I I had just recently streamed a playthrough of RE7 on YouTube. And I remember just uh, when the the crawling mold had first become a thing, one was chasing me through the basement and I started running up the stairs by where that save room is. And I was like, okay, I'm good now. And then I turn around, he can fucking follow me. Holy shit. And that was the thing too, that like kind of got me about the molded. Cause you know, like if you, if you pull them too far away from their spawn points, they, you know, they just, they, you know, they'll soak yeah. back into the ground. And then next time you run through that fucked with me so bad. So many times in the game because I would, you know, like go to shoot and run away, yeah. you know, just to put a little bit more distance so I could hit him two or three times and think that I killed it and be like, okay, it's dead. Like I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's already, you know, vanished or whatever. And mm-hmm. then like run back through the room and then fall, you know, hit the same <laughs> bolted again and be like, oh, okay. So I didn't actually kill it. It just, I, I pulled it too far from home. Um, but I think that was like, but again, like, you know, it was, you know, there, there's such a limited amount of zombies in Resident Evil 1. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's obviously not like th- you know, like four and beyond, where you know it's constant, you know, constantly spawning in. Um, you know, and I think that 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 was the best part about seven is just going back to that limited resources, limited amount of enemies. Like you didn't, you know, like you you didn't feel like you were like getting your hand held the entire time, but yeah, you didn't feel like the you know 
the game was, you know, out to aggressively get you. Yeah, for sure. Hell yeah. Oh, great. And as, uh, as we just wind this down, any, any last thoughts there, Jared? Huh. Where, where, where can we find you? What, what platform um, do you want? Just, just to wrap up. Sure. Uh, YouTube, Avalanche Reviews. Uh, Twitter, Avalanche Jared, J-A-R-E-D. Uh, Twitch, Avalanche Reviews. I'm on all three of those platforms at some point during some point of the day, so you'll be able to find me. I do keep my DMs open, so if this is something you're watching for the first time, do you have any kind of a question about retro video upscaling or what's the best port to play, in my opinion, blah, 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 feel free to shoot me a DM on Twitter because I answered every single one of them. That's kind of a big sticking point for me is talking to people. So uh, if you want to message me there, you'll be able to find me. If you show up on a live stream and you chat something, I'll talk with you. Uh, I don't care who you are, how many followers you have or whatever. That shit doesn't bother me. So, uh, yeah, I'm willing to talk with anyone. Oh, brilliant. And goes without saying, we're very, very grateful to take your opportunity to, oh, uh, right. to jump on this po- podcast. I mean, it's, it's, it's always good to speak with like-minded fans anyway. Um, but just absolute admirer of your channel. So I'm extremely grateful you've uh, you, Hell you've, yeah, it's uh, been a pleasure, bro. <laughs> Any last questions, Jesse? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, keep, I, keep, I keep forgetting. Um, no, um, is there any current projects you know you're looking at um, checking out? I, I I know you've been getting into the um, like video upscale. You know, video upscaling is uh, any like news coming out on some of those projects? I know like you've got a I think a tutorial on. I uh, do, yeah. how- I, I really like that video a lot, actually. It's one of those videos you go into. I don't know if you guys uh, have like any, if you're have a background in content creation other than like the live podcast stuff, but sometimes you go into a video knowing this one's not going to do well, but it's going to be really fun to make. And that was, that was one of those videos. Uh, a lot of people ended up finding it really helpful, which is like the absolute only thing I dreamed for, for that video. So, it, okay, let's do this. Uh, if you're watching this and you are even have a, a ear peaked at the idea of upscaling retro video content because you want to see your Resident Evil games look way better, check out that video. I think it's called um, Upscaling Retro Video, Everything You Need to Know, something like that. It's oh, like the second to last uh, video I just put out. If, if that's something you're interested in, you're listening to this podcast and you want to see old video games look really good on a modern flat panel, that video right there is a good starting point. And then you go on to way better content creators like my life in gaming people who are <laughs> way better than me. But I will be that first little step stool you get on to, to get to that end. Yes. You got to walk before you run, of course you got to walk <laughs> before you run. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you to everybody that's tuned into the live version. And uh, thanks to everybody who's listening to the version on demand. We've been biohazard to classified. Thank you all for watching. Have a good one. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided exceptional care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to give children and healthcare heroes a reason to believe this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday.